It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. Great panel for you. Alex Lindsay's visiting from Mac Break Weekly. Bill Detweiler, editor-in-chief of Tech Republic. And, of course, the wonderful Georgia Dow. We will be talking about the big three events. This is going to be a busy week. Apple's got an event tomorrow on Monday. It's Google on Tuesday. Samsung on Wednesday. We'll find out how much Squid Game has made Netflix so far. The answer will surprise you. And why a judge in the U.K. said, you can't have a Ring video doorbell. It's all coming up next on Twitter. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit, This Week in Tech, episode 845, recorded Sunday, October 17th, 2021. They'll still be your neighbors tomorrow. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Stripe. Whether you're an online or in-person retailer, software platform, marketplace, or subscriptions business, visit Stripe.com to learn more about how Stripe can support your business today. And by Novo. Every year, your business is leaking hundreds in checking accounts, service fees, hidden charges, and transfer fees. It's time for Novo Free Business Banking. Get your free business banking account in just 10 minutes at banknovo.com slash twit. And by ZipRecruiter. According to Forbes, companies are working to fill millions of jobs in an epic hiring spree. So where do they turn? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates and makes it easy to invite your top choices to apply. Try it free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. And by Nureva. Nureva is revolutionizing audio for meeting and learning spaces by making it possible to get full room microphone coverage in medium to large spaces without the cost and complexity of multi-component pro-AV solutions. And that's a revolution. Learn more at Nareva.com slash twit. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover the week's tech news. And this week, a fun panel assembled for you. We decided to, to break Alex Lindsay out of the MacBreak Weekly ranks and bring him into the the big leagues. It's good to see you. Hello. It's good to see you, Alex. Good to be o- here. 090.media and, of course, the host of Office Hours at officehours.global. And he's got a hot cup of chai that they made this weekend. Oh, my God. I am just dying. It, we, it was so much fun. Like, we, we, do, you know, we do this thing where we cook together uh, over Zoom. and uh, Zoom cooking. And yeah, you know, you and ninety of your friends cooking chai. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, it's it's uh, it was it was you know it's a great way to learn. I, it, I find it hard unless I have some reason to do something to do anything, and so so uh, learning how to I, it was on my bucket list, and so we were able to oh, have uh, Damianti Gajar uh, from South Africa. She's uh, Indian descent, but in South Africa, showing us how to make authentic chai. Uh, over zoom and so we put it all we, we got a list i went out on friday went shopping came back and on saturday we went through it together and uh and it was uh the best chai i've ever had nice so that's, so that's one of the many things that we figure out the day before we were talking about isadora you know which is a an automation program for you know to run theaters so so it just depends on the day also with us from tech republic their editor-in-chief bill detweiler good to see you again from knoxville or louisville Louisville. 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 Uh, and, and 
you can always tell someone from this area because they sort of slur it all together oh, and Louisville. don't do the ill part of it. So, yeah, just Louisville. Louisville. Home of Derby Pie. Indeed. Forget Indeed. shy. Or- Give me Derby Pie. <laughs> Indeed. Although Derby Pie is trademarked. I so know. So if you're making it yourself or if someone else is making it and you're serving it in a restaurant and you're not the owner of Derby Pie, it's usually just like pecan pie with chocolate chips. Ooh, which doesn't sound bad at all. I'm going to call it Super Bowl pie and see if I can get really sued. There you go. (laughs) It's great to see you, Bill. Also with us from Montreal in Canada, the wonderful Georgia Dow, our own personal psychotherapist. Hello, Georgia. Hello. It's great to see you. It's nice to be here. It's been a little while. You You were just telling us about your YouTube channel where you psychoanalyze the uh, the uh, cartoon characters, the comic book characters in the Suicide Squad, and you I said did. James Gunn said James Gunn what he 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 tweeted me and he tweeted me my channel and said that my analysis on Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad I'm not it's not a direct quote I'm probably mishmashing what he said but that I was a hundred percent accurate on my um, analysis of Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad <laughs> and said that um, I was in his head and that um, you should watch all the rest of my analysis. Oh, videos. my God. You did all of them. With my channel. I did I did a whole bunch of – I did a lot of them. <laughs> I think I've done almost every one. It would be hard um, to do them all because there seem to be some uh, quite a few subsidiary – characters in the cracks and so I forth. I chose, I did do one subsidiary character. I did do Weasel. He was my like... Yeah, Weasel gets, like, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, blown away very early on. Well, you, you have to watch, you should probably watch the movie. You should watch Finish the movie. it up because you How might want to finish it up. You can't really psychoanalyze a character that's a weasel and doesn't even talk. I, 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 I did. but it was funny because someone asked james gunn after like how 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 accurate was georgia for the weasel and james gunn did not answer so i'm not sure i got weasel right um but i did do nanue and the shark and i think i was pretty spot on he is my favorite character i love him wow and um yeah and so uh, but that was like that was it it was like that was my like for the past two weeks i've been kind of living off of that high yeah no Um, kidding the director yeah, so like of the when movie. When my next video tanked, I was like, and the author yeah. of the movie says, "Oh, you got it right." Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you. like which is like, I know I'm good at my job. I know that's what I do for <laughs> but, a living, but a to have him actually say that I am that yeah. like good at this one at least, nice. I was like, it was it was pretty cool. It was really pretty cool. So you know, now James Gunn and I are like this, of course. Uh huh. You're a good close <laughs> personal friend, of course. Yeah. Yes. Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah. We call right. him Jimmy. You know, uh, he's very casual. You know, yeah. um, actually, I do want to ask you uh, to psychoanalyze a therapist reacts to Squid Game, but we'll do that in a, later I on. Did in- do, I did do one of Squid Game. Did you watch the whole show? Game. I did see the whole thing. Holy cow. I did see the whole thing. It's oh, kind of yeah. brutal. Wow. All right. It was it was a little squiddy. Squiddy. We'll get your we'll get your take on that. But I guess we probably should start. With the big news of the week, which is, this is the, this, when I, I went, visited my son's fraternity in, uh, in Boulder, at CU Boulder, he said, come on out, we're pre-gaming. And I said, oh, great. What does that mean? You, this is like your tailgate before 
the football game, the big football game, and then you all go to the game. He said, no, we don't bother going to the game. We just, <laughs> we just, <Right. laughs> we just pregame. By the time we've done pregaming, we're really no shape to go to the game. So let's pregame the uh, big events of the week. And it's kind of funny. First, it started with Google announcing that on October 19th, Tuesday, they were going to uh, uh, finally take the wraps off the Pixel 6, of which no secret remains. We know everything there is to know about the Pixel 6. And at that point, I think on MacBreak Weekly even, I think Renee Ritchie and we all kind of conferred and said, well, that means Apple probably won't do it that week, but the following week. But no, Apple said, hold my beer. And they announced last week that they're going to do it on Monday, the day before. And they're, I, I don't know what they're going to announce, but we think it's probably uh, laptops. And then little Samsung comes running along, and I'd love you to psychoanalyze this. And says, wait, wait, we're going to do something on Wednesday. <laughs> so this week, Apple Monday, Google Tuesday, Samsung Wednesday. You couldn't get a more jam-packed uh, week of announcements. Uh, let's start with uh, Monday's announcements. Uh, we talked about this ad, ad, ad nauseum on, uh, on MacBreak Weekly, of course. But it's pretty clear they're going to announce a, a new uh, MacBook Pro, a 14-inch, a 16-inch, and maybe a new Mac Mini, which I know, Alex, you're I'm super excited. hot and bothered about. There is a, a rumor has just come out uh, that we might know the names of the chips. The only really question mark really was, uh, are they going to be the M1X, the M2? What's Apple going to call them? They're not going to be M1s. They're going to be a successor chip. Mark Gurman in his Power On newsletter says a Mac developer informed him that they saw in the app logs chip names M1 Pro and M1 Pro Max. Or M1 Max, I guess, not Pro Max. That's the phone. Uh, so now I At guess... At least they're consistent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they, well, we already own it. We already got the, you know, we got yeah, the we logos. Got that down. We could just do it. That makes sense, though, because it is a Pro version of what we saw earlier, which was well, kind of the... Entry level, and, and I think it may be deline delineating that there's the chips are going to be di di very distinct from each other, um, as opposed to just the same, you know, or relatively the same chipset. I think it was a little less clear with the the MacBook Pros, and even with the uh, um, with the iPads that there's some subtle differences based on the storage that you got, right? You know, in in the chipset, and so this one would be probably clearer and probably a lot different, um, you know, than than the original one. So if it'll there, be really interesting to see. If there is a surprise, you know, when the Apple announced the first M1 systems, they all had exactly the same chip. And uh, you're right, the iPad Pro is slightly different. It's called an M1, but it's slightly different. But it's essentially same clock speed on the MacBook Pro 13-inch, on the MacBook Air, on the Mac Mini. They're they're essentially the same chips, and the, it's the, the the package around them that that varies. Yeah. This sounds like there's going to be two chips. There's an M1 Pro and there's an M1 Max. So that's kind of interesting. That's a that is a tidbit we hadn't anticipated. Yeah, if it if it happens, and it does make sense that it would it would make sense for them to include the iMac and the Mac Mini if they're upgrading the chips. You know, beyond just the so that you, you would get the more powerful laptops, but you would also get more powerful desktops. Or do you think as well. they might do a 16-inch MacBook Pro in two flavors, an M1? Pro and an M1 Max, like they do the phones I, kind of that way. You know, when you buy the the uh, iPhone 13, you get the 13 or you get the 13 Pro or 
you get the 13 Pro Max, each of those is distinct. Same process. Well, hopefully they'll, they'll give people the choice between 14 and 16 having either chip and not put the smaller chip on the 14 and the oh, bigger that chip would on be a 16, bummer. which yeah. would be a little bit of a bummer. But yeah. but the um, but I think that you know I think that the desktop I think that the the timing is really good for the desktops as well because I was I was really looking at this announcement and trying to figure out how excited I was and I was like I really just want more Mac Minis. Like I don't I don't need I don't you know because most of us aren't traveling the way we used to. Like I don't have a need like I have to open up my I open up my laptop every once in a while and then it has all these updates that it has to do because I haven't used it for a month. <laughs> so so it's a, it's an interesting it's a different space that that we've been in than than what we've been in in the before times. Apple pioneered these all-in-ones. They were the first, I think, to do uh, the iMacs, where the computer and the display, everything was in one piece. Nice for the living room, not a lot of wires, just kind of clean design. But I wonder if if times have changed. Georgia, do you, are you still like that iMac? I mean, I have an all-in-one in front of me right now, but do you, I think maybe I'm thinking at home, I would like more choice in display. And this is especially true now, where Apple has not doesn't have a display, and and it and I would like to separate the processor from the display. Do you think maybe the the idea of an all in one is 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 over over aged? I, I, over- think, I think that it depends on your personality type. I think that some people like things to be kind of simplistic and straightforward and direct, and they just want to be given what's the best and not really have to think about it and not have Mm, to hook anything in. And so I think that that definitely serves a certain type of person. And then I think that other people want to be able to buy what they want to suit its purpose and don't mind if there's more wiring or that they can move things around and they can be able to upgrade display without having to upgrade all the processing that happens within. So I think that it all depends on your personality type. I think that for Apple, like a lot of people would really enjoy being able to change the display without changing everything else. And you kind of have your setup with that or have like many multiples. Yeah, that's me. That are all kind of hooked up. I have yeah. a 55 inch OLED that I'm using for a windows machine, like a Linux machine, but I yeah. would love to hook up a, a Mac mini to that. I don't need a display. And, and I think that for me, I float my displays a lot. And so I think that's what I realized is that over the last little bit of time, I have, you know, these arms that cost anywhere from 80 to $250. That, that Sorry, just, when I you float them, your, what do you mean, Alex? They're like literally float? floating in space. Yeah. So, like you I mean, have the little stand that, that you can I have a move stand around that, and swing them. It's an arm. Well, yeah, there, there's an arm with. It's an actual float each, arm. Okay. Yeah, and so basically, they um, uh, there's two arms per thing that attach to my table. So I've got like for me, I've got four monitors uh, in addition to the one. Sorry, that's in how, front many of me, so, in front of me. how many displays? How many screens do you have in front uh, of you? I, I have I have four monitors. <laughs> I think I might be able to show you. But, you have four. Um, anyway, but I have four. I have well, I have I, I have maybe more than four monitors, but I have four major <laughs> monitors. And so so Holy the Lord, um, we need to have so the, the, the the camera show us the opposite. I want to see this. He this is it. like Minority Report. This is Alex Give me one second. He, he can do anything. I just got to get an adapter for my phone. Get the jib. <laughs> what you need is the jib. He can Bring totally in the jib and the no, no, steady it's, cam. It's the, in, it's the inside drone. That, that <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, that I guess, so and I, th- cool. I think actually, I don't know what the numbers are because Apple doesn't reveal them, but I would guess that the new iMacs at 24 inches sold quite well. And those were definitely not, those are consumer products. They were they were smaller than the 27 inch iMac. They came in colors. They were really some people even said I don't think this is fair, but they're just an iPad on a stand. <laughs> they were very thin, simple, clean devices. Um, so maybe yeah, there must be a market for that. Billy, are you a fan of the all in one? 
You know, I don't like the all-in-one because I'm kind of like Alex, and I'm like you, Leo. I actually have a yeah. I, well, I have a wide monitor. I have a 50-inch yes. um, Samsung monitor in front of me right now. Yes. It's one of the ultra-wide curved monitors, and I love it because I can get so much information on it. And so now I will admit I run it off of a 2016 MacBook Pro, but I don't see an all-in-one for myself, but my daughter loves it. She's got a 27-inch iMac, and she likes simplicity. And so in her room, she uses that. And then she just went off to college this year, speaking of college, Leo, um, and your son. It's perfect she took that, What did she it? take with her? Yeah. A MacBook Air. So, yeah. you know, she didn't take the iMac because she needed the portability. So, you know, I still like the, um, I still like the variety. But I'll tell you what I'm most excited about. If, if the rumors are true and the new uh, MacBook Pro's Go uh, away from the silly things like the touch bar. Yay. They bring back MagSafe. Yay. They bring back an SD card slot. Mm-hmm. They get rid of the USB C charging because I just and go back to MagSafe. Like I said, that, because the ports just wear out after plugging it in, pulling it out, plugging it in, pulling right. it out for so many years. So I, I'm much more excited about all those functional changes. As a longtime MacBook Pro, that I was really sad to see go away, you know, with the 2016 redesign. So, more than the processors, I like more power, I like more RAM and everything, but I want to see some of those other things come back. I'll tell you what I don't like, and this is again, this is rumor, but according to Mac Rumors uh, and, and the Weibo account, any Turtle 999, there will be a notch on the screen. Of the MacBook Pro. What? Uh, I hope that's not true. Oh, that would be so... I hate the notch. I am a notch hater. I'll just say it. You're a notch Nazi. I know. (laughs) I would not use those words. Okay, yeah, you're right. Very insensitive. (laughs) Okay. But but I do absolutely hate the notch. So to have, like, please don't do that. Just make it a little larger, but don't give me a notch. That would be horrifically... Bad. It would be to solve the bezel problem because, of course, uh, one of the things I think they want to do with this 16 inch is put it in a in a package that's not much bigger than the 14 inch, but with no bezels, the screen goes all the way out to the edge. But then you have this problem with the camera uh, at the top, and so it, a notch might the, be the one thing that the notch does do, do when you think about it, though, when you're talking about um, uh, like FaceTime, what we're doing right now. The notch brings the camera even Onto closer the, to our Yeah, line. yeah, yeah. That's true. So, so that's so that's going to put your face. You know, that's going to put your eye line better. And it's something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. And the way Apple does its operating system, there's a menu bar at the top. So, just right. like on a phone, the notch would be in the menu bar. But I often run applications full screen, overwriting right. the menu bar. And for me, that would be a pro. I would not be happy. That even a tiny bit of real estate is taken off. So we'll, 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 there'll be controversy. Alex, have you set up your, uh, your camera? To, <laughs> yeah, hold on one second. Can we we're see gonna, this? We're going to see the setup uh, yeah, cam. So this is, uh, it's a little messy. I didn't plan to show it. No, you that's all right. Today, so <laughs> that makes you human. The messier, the better. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is, um, so this is obviously you guys. Oh um, my goodness. Good I love it. What, are you running at here. the same time? Are you running an <laughs> internet stream? Uh, no, got, no, no. This is, that's just switcher. And that's a, just what you're looking at zoom. Okay. And, then, and then I have a, that's a, that's my switcher. And oh my, my God. My Look audio interface. Is that a giant um, ATEM? It looks and then, like, yeah. Uh, okay. This is the ATEM extreme yes, ISO. And course. then this is a sound device, a Scorpio, which is okay. the most overkill ever for uh, interface for zoom. Ever. Okay. 
Um, and then, um, and then there's my there's my synth stuff that I. Oh, oh, that has been uh, growing. Then, well, Wait back, a minute, Alex. Been, <laughs> that has been growing. Can't stop buying. Oh so the problem with synths is that you just keep going. I can, I, I could do, I, I could do so much more if I just had this one, and then I had this one, and then oh I, you know, you just keep on, you keep on getting them. So that's that's how I kind of. Alex and then, thinks he's Rick Wakeman, apparently. Okay, what? <laughs> no, it's just play fun. stuff it's just for us after. Thing. Holy God! Uh, and then and then these are the no. Mac Minis, and I that's got these the little things part. that that pop these out. And that that runs these two screens. So those so are these extension are, little extension yeah. boxes that stack. And then there's another Mac Mini that does my Telestrator stuff. And then and then this will split. And then this this is a this is an HDMI router, so I can reroute signals around. And, sure, of course. So so anyway, that's uh that's kind of the how it looks. And, wow. um, that's really nice. Alex, we need a whole show just on your setup. I've never seen. I this. do a whole show. It's every morning. It's called it's called Office <laughs> Office Hours. <laughs> this, this is like you gotta get oh you gotta my get goodness. my kit. My kit, my kit uh-huh. is kind of middle of the road for office hours. Like this, what I just showed Whoa. you is like uh, compared wow. to everybody else on the show. It's really it's okay. Uh, like, yeah, it's, and and uh, it's because not everybody watches <laughs> Mac Break Weekly, uh, yeah. Mash Potato is saying, "Is that a Rumsleg action figure on the desk?" It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, this is Rumsleg. Uh, I uh, I actually played Rumsleg in um, episode one, so so I, I uh, so it was um, I didn't realize. Did so you have any lines, the, or did you just wear the no, suit? No, okay. I had I had things that look like I'm talking. It does look if you actually watch it. I am uh, looking like I'm talking uh, to someone else, so it looks like I'm kind of insane talking to myself. There was someone else there that got rotoed out, but when I um, when I finished the, uh, so I was I'm in it. It's right when the camera droid flo- flies through Moss Eisley. You'll see this this guy, um, uh, want, you know, wandering through, and that was me back then. What would happen at ILM is someone would just walk over for extras and go, "I need you, you, and you," and then we get up and get in a, get in something, sign some, something, sign it away, and, and then go and do the shoot, and so. I I was rumsleg at least for one one instance of it. I think there's another one where he's like in the crowd somewhere that I wasn't. Is it entirely a green screen set or? uh, It was when I was in front of it. It was just a green screen that they no practicals at all. No practicals at all. And um, and then when I took the pictures, uh, when I took the pictures after the after I did the thing, they said, "Okay, we need to do a T pose, which is you you put your arms out like this, and then you do a couple other things." And I said, "What what is the T pose for?" And they're like, "It's for the action figure." And I was like, <laughs> "They're going to make an action figure of me?" And they're, and they're like, "They said they, they were like they were like so so the thing is is that so then I, I was like so excited that I was going to have my own action figure and um but it was on the like the third tier of of action figures and so the first two have to do well and they didn't do as well as they needed to so oh, nothing happened. Damn it. And then what I found out only a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago, is that that in the 10th anniversary, they they actually released Rumsleg uh, as an action figure. So so then I got excited. And I, I, I bought an action. I bought a Rumsleg action figure because this, this is, you know, and someday I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go with Halloween. You know, <laughs> I want to go to a Halloween party as Rumsleg. But um, I have to. He get is Rumsleg. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, exactly. You're not playing exactly. Rumsleg. So you are Rumsleg. Myself. He was he yeah, a bounty exactly. hunter? He was a bounty hunter, okay, and so so it's kind of a, and well we've been we've been joking that if we ever do do like a short, we should do Rumsleg like kind of like the Mandalorian, but it's Rumsleg. I think they should bring Rumsleg he'll be just like, uh, into he'll the be, Mandalorian. Yeah. He'll be just like he'll be just like Mandalorian, except he he won't. He won't shoot very well, and he'd be kind of an alcoholic and screws up a lot of things. <laughs> He's more like it's kind of like if, if Jar Jar and, and and Boba Fett had a baby, yeah. it would be like Rumsleg, you know, like it was just you know a lot of lot of things falling apart. A horrible visual. That was a horrible <laughs> visual. <laughs> now I can't get that out of my head. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're welcome. It's my, my pleasure. I like it. Maybe like a five o'clock shadow, and yeah, yeah, I think just it's like good. he just like long ears. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he always wins, but it's always by accident. Like he backs into the thing that that does the thing, and he and he and he accidentally drops something on a handle that blows up the the, the bad guy. But it's never it's never like he's not he's not great. He's just he's just lucky. Rum Slig, <laughs> a Star yeah. Wars story coming soon to Disney Plus. Yeah. I think that sounds good. By the Rum Slig, better better than average. By accident. By accident. I love it. That's you already got a great backstory. I'm sure we're yes, going to do a therapist reacts to rum slag at some point. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the uh, yes. the chat room demanded Georgia Dow a, a therapist reacts to Alex's home office setup. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a now, video. That's a now, video. It, it, in fairness, this is actually a cut-down version of what I used to... I, we used to call it the array because I've been building this thing for ten, uh, for over 10 years, you know, because I started doing classes in Rwanda from my house when I was in Petaluma. And so I needed to have all this stuff to teach the classes is why I thought I needed it anyway. And so, so I had bigger switchers and more monitors and I've slowly called it down to what I think I need to actually do, do what I do. But, but yeah, so it's, um, so I've been doing it a lot longer than everyone else. So I've kind of burrowed in a little bit more than most. So One, one thing at our Discord, our uh, Club Twit uh, Discord, Orange Guy in there says, what if the notch on the laptop means Face ID? That's I would love to have Face ID in the laptop. Yeah, right? that'd be great. Microsoft uh, yeah. uh, does that, of course. Windows Hello, they call it. Or, or, or either or or both. They'd be really good on a sec- from a security perspective to say, I want to use my fingerprints. Or I want to use my right. face ID, or I want to do both. I want to right. have, you know, like Ooh. someone who wants to really secure their laptop might be, I want two-factor and my fingerprint and my oh. face. Like, I need all of those things or I don't want you to open up. That's you know? really so good. Those are, it it really know. has to be me. Just in case they yeah. cut off your finger. Right. Or wear a mask. You know? They, yeah. They'd have to have the mask, and then they'd have to have. Then they'd have to have your phone. There's a lot of things. Could they, they use? They're, could they're you like, use a Rumsleg action figure for Face ID? I wonder. <laughs> that would really. No, that would that really narrow. If the it eyes down. moved. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta go like. You this. keep your eyes really still. Face ID does not work. I've tested it. Out. Oh really? Oh. It, it looks for. It looks for eye, eye it movement. Really? If you really keep your eyes completely like dead, it does not open. Don't they me, sometimes looks, say yes. blink? Uh, where have I seen that? I, something didn't say says blink. blink. It just didn't do anything. Maybe it not seems Apple, like a, It, it seems like a, re- a reasonably smart way to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, to make sure that you're not using a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm still let waiting us- for the camera, though, in the center of the screen. That's what I want. You were talking about this earlier, Alex, yeah. which is, right. you know, moving the notch down or the screen closer to the notch puts it closer to your eye line but like mm. i'm looking at a camera that's at least four inches above my monitor and i would rather have right. it right in the center so you can actually sort of look at the face of the person you're talking to on a zoom call without trying to rig up some teleprompter setup or another kind of yeah. you know external display so that's really what i want in I, the next macbook pro but don't I think, think that, i'll get I that I think it's hard to argue to put that in the Mac Pro. I do think that there's a market for monitors that would do that. You know, that, that yeah. just say, hey, we're going we're gonna to knock a couple pixels out and put a webcam. And the problem really is, is that you have to put a, if you're going to commit to that, you have to put a really high quality webcam in there. And the only company that seems to be good at webcam quality for the actual camera is Logitech. Everyone else seems to, they, 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 they try, but we test them all and we test every webcam that gets released. And There are under one. screen cameras. In fact, a number of smartphones from Oppo's most recently, um, Xiaomi's Axon or ZT's Axon does it, Xiaomi does it. 
I think um, that the quality of the, the video though has it, not been great. That's the problem yeah. is that you really give up a lot because it's filtering it's filtering it out. So you know. Also, that's, these that's are OLEDs, which may be easier to do than with mini LED technology. Right. OLEDs don't have the you know mini LED. You got to have a backlight and a layer, and OLED is right. direct view. So it may not be you can't even do it without an OLED screen. So. But I agree. I agree, Bill. That would be really uh, they got to they got to solve this. They sort of solve it. Apple sort of solves it with their uh, zooming capability uh, when you're using uh, on uh, uh, iPad Pro or uh, I think the Mini now does it. Uh, FaceTime and other apps, if they're uh, properly configured, will zoom as you move around. And kind yeah, of the hard move. part is is. The hard part really is the eye contact. Eye line. You know, the eye contact is, yeah. is super important. And one of the things that we started, we've done a lot of insert studio work. And the big thing with insert studio work is that uh, uh, usually there's no return video. So the video doesn't come back to the person because the broadcasters are too cheap <laughs> to do that because that would cost money. And so um, so they just get, you're, when you're watching CNN or Fox or whatever, there's they have an in-ear, they're listening to the conversation. And as you know, Leo, they're just looking straight at the camera. You know, And what we, what we learned when we started doing lots of in, what we call Interatron, which is putting the video into a teleprompter, uh, is that people's eyes and their facial expressions are different when they can see the other people that they're talking to. So literally mm -hmm. their eyes converge slightly differently. And then they do this funny thing where they mirror people and then they, and they change what they're mm -hmm. talking about. Because if someone puts their, puts some, puts their eyebrows up or down or nods a lot or, or looks, looks um, concerned, all those things bring out an entirely different person, you know, from the person on the other right. side. And so it becomes, it, it's not just it's not just a little inconvenience. So a lot of us are moving toward, like I'm getting a new teleprompter, right? My camera's right above it because I had a smaller teleprompter and I didn't like oh, it. You want to look right it through it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to look right at people yep. and it, and it, and it, and it's, um, and when we have a lot of people, uh, on, we have about half of office hours has on teleprompters. And so, so you see, you know, you You're see the kidding. difference every They're day. They're all on prompter. Yeah. About half of them. Yeah. Are they reading stuff? No, no, they're just talking. They, they just the have teleprompter's them. just there so that we can talk to each other directly through the through the glass. Oh, you're yeah, on the prompter. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Putting, yeah, that's the you're that's what we the call other person in, in on the prompter. Oh, yeah. I it's never something even Errol, heard of that. Oh. If you look at like Into the Void or Fog of War from Errol Morris, yeah, you'll see he does that, that. He, yeah. he does that. And so we started doing it in the I mean, you know, 10 years ago or more uh, with um, interviews, but now we do it. We've been doing it a lot for this kind of thing, and it really makes a huge difference in in how people look because that that direct eye eye contact is great, um, and it, and it does make a difference. Like it, it's something that um, is worth doing. And so we've been. I put it off because I, again, I had it for a little while, and then I took it out because my my teleprompter itself was just too small to do everything I wanted to do. But now I'm putting a 24 back in to because it i think it just made it just, i just noticed how much of a difference it makes when i'm looking straight into the into the camera you said the, the word teratron that's what errol morris uh called yeah, it yeah he called it that i we you know uh, it's not a good name it sounds like you're well, interrogating not, somebody but he, he he has it like he he invented it though now in office hours we have the person who actually invented the digital in uh teleprompter <laughs> so so he uh courtney and and so he uh he's like well he didn't invent it i mean people were doing it in the 80s it's just it's just that he's the one that popularized it so oh, interesting. But, but putting video in putting putting the video back into the thing has is really useful and the and you know we built them at all different sizes i think the the, the largest one we built i think was 70 inches um a 70 inch teleprompter which was a little scary 
in a lot of ways. What were we you? actually have a part of the brain that that fires that that we have mirror neurons that like there's there's parts of the brain that actually fire for two dots in a like a, a face shape. Right. And it only fires for that. And since most yeah. of the way that we engage with people is about we're constantly reading unconsciously all of the different micro expressions that people deal with. So if someone moves back, Alex, as you were saying, they move back or their eyebrows raise or they come forward. It's totally different. I do um, like, you know, interviews sometimes on like, like big network shows. And sometimes I don't see the other person that I'm talking to. Most of the time you don't. Yeah. And I hate that because in my head I'm going, am I talking too long? Have I been too loud? Do they hate this? Are they giving me the cues? Hurry up or yeah. continue on, I have no clue. And so because of that, I'm just hoping that I'm reading the nothing because reporters news, are really good with The good news is it. most network, uh, most people, most pundits who appear on networks don't care about any of that stuff. They just... Well, let's <laughs> they, just say yeah, it. They're just, they're, 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 they might lean more towards narcissism, perhaps. <laughs> so it's all about them anyway. Am I talking enough? That's not a question that comes up. <laughs> <laughs> right. talking too but much? I'm a super feeler. I care too you much care. about what and other that's people what's good about you. So when I first heard about Errol Morris's technique, I thought, you're just weird. But now that you've explained it, I understand. It's not just weird. Because he wouldn't even be in the room sometimes with the person he's interviewing. Yeah, well, and a lot of times he was in the room and curtained away. And that's how we started. But we actually found it was funny. We had a client. I don't know, well, you don't want the ago. person looking over at you. You want him looking. No, at you me. put curtains. You put curtains in between. Yeah. And then and, and with the way he did it, he didn't run like an IFB or a microphone. He just talked loud in the room and you could hear him talking, but you're looking at him there. What we changed was creating a, an environment where. Uh, the person is always in some other room or some other state or some other country. And we started doing this with uh, the other place that we've done. This is point to points where we put uh, an executive in another country. You know, so there's like, you know, they have to talk in Singapore or Morocco and they don't want to spend four days. If you're a CEO yeah, yeah. for a fortune a 100 call. company, you yeah, don't yeah, want to, yeah. you know, and so, and that one is interesting because for them, it was really good to look into it. But we found that if we actually put the monitor right below the camera, it would drop their eyes down below the camera. And if you're in the room, it is, it's like Wizard of Oz. Like it is this huge head looking right at you because you're, <laughs> we, we actually wanted to drive that eye line just a little below the camera to see the audience. Oh, and I so thought you wanted to make them look so, humble. Okay, never mind. No. <laughs> now it looks like, ni- that's like the 1984, that? it's like 1984 ad. That did sound creepy. Yeah. It was arresting. It was arresting. Like when you're in the room, I, it was super powerful, but it really felt like it was, they're looking at you. Like when you ask a question, they like look over and we had the camera set up. So they'd look, kind of look over like this. Um, and, oh, intimidating. The great and so I wonder if uh, one of the reasons this works, Georgia, is because your interview subject isn't talking directly to you. They're talking to an image of you. Do you think maybe they feel a little more free to to self-express? It's an odd. It seems like a, a very artificial environment. Nowadays, we're used to it. This is how you and I are interacting. We're, right. you know, we're in, you're in Montreal, I'm in California and I'm looking at a picture of you, you're looking at a picture of me. But, uh, at the time I imagine, you know, you're doing an interview, the fog of war and you're Robert McNamara talking about this. Why is the guy behind a curtain? <laughs> Does it give him more freedom to be candid? Do you think? Um, sometimes we do that. Even in therapy, um, certain therapists will be behind the person oh, that's that they're, right. they're dealing with therapy. They're oh. not actually there so that the person can kind of be really free. Like I do certain exercises with people that I will turn off my camera and I'll turn off my mic since most of my sessions now are still 
over Zoom so that they can be alone with their thoughts. And I'm there, but I'm not specifically there. The classic so, Freudian therapy where you're lying on a yes. couch and the therapist is yeah. behind you and you're just yes. talking into the air. I didn't and know. you get a little bit more of a free thought because sure. you're not reading, you're not in their head of their, are they questioning right. me? What are they doing? And as you kind of free speak, you can kind of go wherever you want to without that interaction. And so sometimes I would use it as a technique, which I could see that that would be a benefit. And then in other cases, people might feel very uncomfortable with that because they might have more social anxiety and they're worried about being judged. And so they'll be in their head constantly saying, what did you think of that? And that might stop them. The the chat room saw me, the radio host, Terry Gross, who does uh, NPR's Fresh Air, uh, never is in the studio with her audience by intent because she says it's an audio interview. I don't want them to have any uh, body language or anything that's not transmitted through the audio. Uh, so I don't want them to see me and I don't want to see them. Because I only want to have... Well, she's also not looking at them most of the time. She's looking at her next question. Right. <laughs> she's got her eyes closed. <laughs> so, so that, Here's that a picture. So a technique. Chat room sent me a picture of Errol Morris. This is what it looks like to be the subject. In a, <laughs> this is terrifying. <laughs> well, and this is this is the way it started. You know, like this is that... that That's is not what probably, yours looks like. you know, 20 yeah. years ago yeah, or whatever. Yeah, more, but yeah. Ours is just a, you know, like that, or, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. That So he, when he got started with it, that's what it looked like. And, and his is pretty rough. Ours is... You know, we've got digital film cameras right. that are looking at each it's other, and, and and yeah. it's and and I think that it is one of the things we think about a lot when it comes to Zoom sessions and so on and so forth is cognitive load. You know, and so what is the cognitive? Because we can we run twenty four seven. There's a lot we of literally fatigue. have. There is a lot and, of but, fatigue, but but that mm-hmm. fatigue I think yeah. a lot of times comes from bad video, bad audio. It's you're kind of listening for people, you're kind of looking through it's that work. process. You're not people aren't really looking at you. Yeah. All those things are things that that that. Each not that there's no one of those that causes a problem, but but as a as a load, they they over time take a lot out of you, you know. And so so what we find is that as we reduce that cognitive load by by reducing making it more comfortable, you're talking to people, they you're better lit, you sound better, you look better, you know, in that whole process, and you're having that that more fluid conversation uh, that that load reduces, and you can do it for a lot longer. And we do it, you know, again, we do it for. Well, at least three hours a day. <laughs> so, so it's uh, you know, so so it, it does make a difference to, to have to, have to sort those things. It's it's actually really invigorating. <laughs> so wow. That's what I would call it. Wow. You, you you come out of it because we've been thinking about stuff all day. I mean, because it's you know you're hanging out with two hundred people a day every morning and you're talking about ideas and, and so that it, is dependent couldn't. upon your personality type right like depending on how like extroverts are totally. like feed off of people's energy and then you gain more energy yeah, through the day and you I, enjoy that and if you're more introverted being with a lot of people all the time exhausts you and then you need a break where you get to shut down and kind of um right. you know re-energize depending upon where you are um i, I think, think that another thing that causes yeah I was just say because I'm I'm a horrible introvert. <laughs> like like I, I don't like I just don't like being around people. Like I I I I, I mean I, I I do like being around people in very small amounts. You like being around I, us, is what you're saying. I, yeah, I like being around <laughs> you guys. Well, course, I like being around people that, that I that I have some that. reason to be around or that I enjoy being around. I I don't like big crowds very often. I usually I'm, I'm kind of notorious for avoiding them. And so um, and so anyway, so the so this is. I have to admit the Zoom environment is kind of perfect for me uh, because I can right. I for turn it on and off. I can turn it on and off as needed. You Bill, know, like Bill, our, Bill, you wanted yeah. to get a word in. I'm sorry. You just got to no, insert no, no. yourself what? in the conversation. I'm, <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, you know, 
in the in the um in the in the age of remote work when everybody suddenly sort of goes to zoom and goes to video meetings one of the things that i've found is really interesting is that you know i think um i've been on camera for decades now and i'm a little bit of a ham and i don't mind the performative aspect but i'd be interested to hear um you know george's take and alex's take too because you know i think that that performative part of it is also draining so if you feel like especially in the early days of uh the pandemic when everybody was doing zoom meetings for everything and nobody was doing face-to-face meetings there was that extra level of energy that you were uh spending because you felt like uh you had to be on camera and people had to act a certain way and it was just a different energy and so i don't know if that it really didn't bother me because I'm kind of used to it, but I saw that on my team and I saw that in people that I was interviewing for my show, Dynamic Developer on Tech Republic or for other interviews. You know, there was just this kind of unused to being on camera all the time and feeling like you still had to perform when you were on camera, even if it's just a FaceTime call or a Zoom call with a colleague that you're trying to substitute a water cooler or a hallway conversation for. So, you know, not to completely derail the show, but you know, I'm really interested to hear what uh, George and Alex think about that. Georgia? So, Georgia? So I, I like, this is what I do for, like, I'm with people and and uh, having to be, you know, someone that Sarah supports. So I'm kind of used to being able to be that. Plus, I've done technology shows and podcasts and stuff for a really long time. I'm, though, like, very high on the extroversion set, like, truly, not just on camera. So I'm pretty similar. If you met me not on camera, I would be very similar to that. I think, though, that... Um, having to constantly put out a certain set of things is exhausting at a certain point, And it is nice to be able to, to take some time off from that. I think that the hardest thing for me, because I'm also like a caretaker, like I worry about making other people feel bad or saying the wrong thing or insulting people because of that, like the delay that happens. And it's just a fraction. Like now people, most people's internet connection are so good that it really is just a fraction. But even on the show here, we sometimes step on each other's Mm -hmm. feet because Mm -hmm. I started talking when someone else talked and then we speak upon each other. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen when we can see everyone. And it's very clear because usually when someone wants to talk, there's like a little tiny like thing of like, I'd like to speak next. And we're missing a lot of that because when it's on me, it's just on me. So I don't see that Alex is really interested and wants to kind of you know, does that little tiny lean forward? I'd like to say something. And so that's the piece that I think it fine. I find that that costs me a certain amount, whereas usually I could be on camera and it probably wouldn't bother me a great deal. Though I do right. find that phone calls are less of an emotional cost. That cognitive loan is less, but also that emotional load is less because I can drink or I can scratch my face Or, you know, if I feel an itch, I don't have to worry about not doing that. And it's going to look really horrible if I scratch my eye right now. Alex? (laughs) Well done, George. You you picked up the cue. I I mean, I I think that that all of this has a load to it when we we think about going to a meeting. And, you know, what we were doing before was going to conference rooms. So now I have to drive down. I have to go into the meeting. I have to dress up a certain way. I have to, you know, um, I have to put on whatever... In a real meeting, now you don't. Exactly. Like, you know, like my... Fuzzy pants. I'm I'm wearing, I'm always wearing, sorry. I I have, uh, no, but my my general state is, you know, like I, 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 I had a meeting with with someone in DC, then I had French cuffs and a and a and a jacket and a tie and everything else and cargo pants, and, oh, cargo shorts, yeah, exactly. and, and barefoot. And I was like, this is the best, yeah. you know, like you know, and 
And, you know, because as soon as I, you know what's going to happen? As soon as I finish that meeting, I'm going to take that monkey suit off and I'm going to put yes. my, my flannel yes. back on and go back to what I was doing. And so the ability for me, I guess the thing is that there's everything has a, a give and take, right? And so, so there are advantages and disadvantages. For someone like me, there's more advantages than there are disadvantages. I can definitely see, you know, people who don't feel that way, that they, they really grooved with what they had. But for someone like me, the, the ability that I can go to my own kitchen and make my own meals when I want to, I can, I can see my wife, you know, we both work at home. So I get to, you know, go over and say hi and talk about things for a little bit for, you know, in a break, I can wear whatever I want from, from the, you know, from my, uh, my chest down, <laughs> which is pretty much whatever I want to wear. I, I have a very controlled environment. I'm always well lit. I always have, I, won't, I always sound good. I don't have that in the real world. I mean, sometimes I'm not well lit and sometimes I don't have good audio and I, I have a telestrator usually that I can use and I have multiple computers that I can jump to and I have, you know, and I can jump between things very quickly. And so I think that for me, the control that I have over how I interact with people. Now I do think what I will say is tiring is people with bad audio, you know, bad audio mm-hmm. and bad video. Yeah. So like I find, I, I literally you know, see these conferences and people put up virtual backgrounds. I literally won't go. Oh, like I, I just, I, I, as I just soon as I see that. a virtual background, I'm like, yeah. I'm gone because that, that, that virtual background upsets my mind so much yeah. that I can't, I can't even look at it. I, I can't, and I'll listen to it sometimes. Sometimes I'll put it on some other monitor and I'll listen to it. But I, I literally can't look at a virtual background because of all the edges constantly changing and their, their glasses coming in and out when they move their hands, they disappear. And, and I feel like that creates a huge cognitive load for me, you know, that, that I'm constantly trying to ignore that that is so weird, you know? And, and so I, I think that um, uh, so I, I I think that this there's things that people do in Zoom that make it horrible when it's done well. You know, we again we have for 21 hours a day. There's what we call after hours, and it's the ultimate open office where there's 30 to 50 people in there, and most of the cameras are off. But if you walk in and go, hey, I'm trying to figure out today. I was like, I literally walked in. I said, I don't understand how to change the volume on this little road wireless go or whatever. Someone immediately turned on the camera and said, oh, there's a little button at the bottom that you just push the thing. (laughs) I went back to what I was doing, you know, and so I was like, a human Siri. That's what you've done. Well, we, we just, we don't, who, who needs the manual now? You can just go in there and just ask a question. And, 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 and so, or Google, like, you know, like instead of Googling, we just ask it. But the point is, is that the reason a lot of that works is that so many of us take, take our audio, our internet, our, you know, because like the little thing that, you know, when you're on Wi-Fi, you break up, you have these micro stalls all the time. And as you know, Leo, I mean, that's one of the first things we ask people to do is turn their Wi-Fi off. And uh, I think that that all of these things, the bad audio, the bad video, the things that aren't working create, make, make you tired, you know, cause I know that when I used to be on like conference calls with people in conference rooms, I literally have to lie down when I was done. Like it was so much, it was like, I was like, cause I could, you spent the whole time trying to fi- not think about what they were saying, but try to figure out what they were saying, you know? And, and I think that, uh, you know, so a lot of this has been, um, a long time in coming, I guess, in my opinion. It's interesting as we adapt to a new world. Uh, it's I've always thought that there are people who are good with change and people who are not good with change, and we're in such a technologically uh, speedy change, which the pandemic has even sped up even more. There are just some people who are left basically left by the roadside, roadkill in this new world, and then there are people who are fortunate who are good with change or can adapt. Who do well, but I, I I do feel like this is not necessarily a beneficial 
thing. We're not biologically designed to be using Zoom calls all day. <laughs> I really wonder if the people well, we're, we're losing by the wayside, people who just can't adapt to it, and I think that that's more than half, if we're going to lose some important... But I think that, I mean, in every... We've been trying to connect with each other, you know, virtually. I mean, we've been trying but to talk to each to other anywhere in the world. we're made to sit across from each other and talk to each other. That's what I, we're made maybe. to do. Maybe, Maybe. Definitely. I, I think that I think that I think though that we're made to, to interact. The, the big thing that this virtual world has provided for is we can now relatively seamlessly interconnect with people around the world that are that share our interests and our in our approach to things without being constrained by ge- geography. You know, and so like there's, for instance, I'm not I'm, saying there's not benefits. There's so, certainly benefits, but but I think there might also be consequences. That we, there's always consequences. Yeah. Everything is nothing is is without cost. You know, and so it's just a matter of defining which is whether it's cost positive. You know, it's, well, there's it's nobody making that choice. It's not like somebody sat Ever. down and did the cost benefit analysis and well, said, "Let's do Zoom." We just we're stuck with it. This is it. I so, mean, the the reality is is that it it's going to take over. Like it's going right. you know, like like well, this already is, has, like, there's not. Well, it's and I, honestly, over the next if 10 I years, could do these shows with everybody sitting around the table, it would be the shows are better, the experience mm-hmm. is better, it's better for everybody. Mm-hmm. But you Obviously, couldn't get everybody it's much there more all the fun. time. Yeah, it's, it's much more fun. more fun doing it in person. But I wouldn't talk and to Georgia very often. I wouldn't talk to, dynamic, talk to right. Bill very often. It's totally you know? different. Yeah. Like when I did it live, like there's just so it's much interplay. Yeah. You can see when someone's looking at you, kind of like, with right. the, what did you just say? And you can kind of be more playful. You don't have to worry as much. I'd far prefer. I it. think that that's much more enjoyable. I think that there's benefits to doing it with technology based. And I think that well, with COVID, we're yeah. very lucky. We're very we have to fortunate those that can afford it. But there's a huge digital divide. If you are tech phobic, if you're change phobic, oh, yeah. if you can't afford it, if you don't have internet in your area, it kind of cuts you off from a world that's kind of leaving you behind. And I think that that interplay among people, the stuff that you miss because you're only getting a kind of curated view of someone is also a huge cost to interplay among people where there's more chance that you might misinterpret what someone's saying, or they might misinterpret what you're saying and insult someone. And you didn't really know that it happened. And that also is can lead to a whole bunch of issues. Bill, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, well, I, I'm in the middle. I agree with um, Leo and, and with you. So I always enjoy uh, face-to-face conversations. You know, I always enjoy doing my interviews with people in the same room. I always enjoy getting together. Uh, when I would go to tech conferences, when we used to go to tech conferences in the before times, you know, that was my favorite part was making personal connections um, that, you, that, that I felt were stronger when you were there together. Um, so I, I think we have to strike a balance, which is to, um, to Alex's point, which is using this technology to allow us to overcome those geographic hurdles while at the same time recognizing, I think, the innate human need for that personal face-to-face connection that you just don't get through a screen. Um, at least I just don't get through a screen, and I think a lot of people don't get to it. So we have to, we, we need to be purposeful in our you know connections that we make and that um, make an attempt to have those connections when we can and use the technology when we can't. So I don't necessarily think it has to be an either-or. I think we just have to be smart in our use of technology, you know? It's either a benefit or a hazard, and we just have to choose which it is. I also worry, and I think there's some evidence, that there is deep psychosis that comes out of this, uh, this new way of being. And I think that's one of the reasons the world is a little rocky right now. 
But uh, that's a that's yeah. A I mean, I think that I think I, I don't know if it's Zoom that's causing that. I mean, well, there's a lot of there's things. a lot of there's a lot, there's a lot of, things. of things that are. But the isolation you know, of pandemic uh, on balance has not been good. I well, think, for and I think that I think that has been the thing that after you know I th- I think that that's one of the interesting things about what we've experimented with in office hours because that's the big lab we've done it we've met almost 600 days in a row we're all in and, this lab right now <laughs> right but but it's but but we have you know 5000 people and any any given day two or 300 show up and there's 50 there all the time and the thing is is that is that there's a connection that we've all had and i think that a lot of us consider that has been has been a big boat um so i i think that a but lot of us But is it connected. as fun as it would have been if you'd all gone to summer camp together you know, here's the thing, though, is that we have no, right. No. Well, yeah, but but I would have never met these folks. Right. Like I would have never met them. I would have never been able to connect with them. I would have. I mean, in any given day, we're, we're we have people coming in from four or five different continents. You know, that are that are sitting there talking about how it is from there, and people are understanding others. You know, in a much different way because of the the fact that they're, they're, when you're talking about something that's that happening is in London. I agree. When you're talking about someone that happens in London or Israel or South yeah. Africa or the Philippines, we have people there every day from those countries, you know? And right. so, so they can, they sit there and talk about their, their process to that. And like, for instance, we have on any given day, 15 to 20 people talking at the same time, like in a, like, like what we're doing here, except with 15 to 20 people. And it is very civil and just kind of works because the, we figured out how to do that after 600 times. <laughs> you get good at it. Um, and uh, the, but what happens, though, is that we could never put the, that, that group on stage. You could never put 19. I have put 19 people on stage. It's a horrible experience. It's a bad idea. You know, it's a horrible idea. You know, and, Unless it's and, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. But other than that, exactly. it's not a good idea. So, yeah. so the thing is, is that there's absolutely costs. Um, I think that, but I think that a lot of the costs that we see when people are feeling disconnected, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to they're not playing very hard. Like, not just them, but everyone around them. Is not you know they have bad video, bad audio, and it makes a huge difference in how it how it appears when you're coming across at high resolution with good audio, and you're it's a much more connected experience. Is it the same as being in person? No, but it also doesn't require the flights and the cars and the parking and, and all yeah, the other things that are required to it. Yeah. And so and 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 you can maybe we you need know, a little of both though, and, Alex. And be part we, need, of it. we need both. We need human contact. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why Bill. We've talked a lot about. Uh, conferences and the loss of conferences they've all gone virtual and most people who mm-hmm. say well what we should do is some sort of hybrid thing where we get the Which benefit <laughs> well i know you, you may think that <laughs> but, but i think for instance the apple events where they have pre-recorded stuff it's fine but there is also a place to get together and see the things and talk to engineers those are valuable mm-hmm. contexts too and I, maybe this is your natural tendency alex and you, you well, no, no, adjust to this well but, I, but, but honestly, I think that, that, that there are a lot of us still for whom human contact is no, important. No. And <laughs> I worry about you, there's a long-term effect yeah. of this. I think it, there's a long-term effect. You do effect. feel more good. connected yeah. when you meet someone in person. That's yeah. just the way that we do. And plus, a lot of the way that we feel safe and with other people is through touch right. and through being able to speak to someone. And you bond much more quickly when there's you can see more of someone else that's there. Like, this is the best that we can do under these circumstances. But well, it And we're glad we have this. I mean, I wouldn't be able definitely. to do the show if we couldn't do this. Right. So it's definitely. good. 100%. I'm not, I'm not 100%. saying it's a negative. But it leaves a lot of people, I think, to your point, Leo, I think is accurate. It leaves a lot of people feeling like they're lacking in other human people. And if you are a solo person, I see this all around me with a lot of people. I'm sure you do in your practice. And so I do. I, I have people coming to me with anxiety about 
being sequestered and secluded, yeah. even though they have a computer. And there's some people that don't have a computer. We're very, you know, very fortunate you, even doing this show. You know what I fear? And so far it hasn't happened, but I wait. But as you get older, uh, you slow down and the world continues to move at a high speed. And it's the older people who are, I would imagine, increasingly feel isolated well, because they just are well, not adapting to this brand the, new world that we're in. Yeah. One thing, one thing that's interesting is average average age in, in office hours because we, we see it through when they register and so on and so forth is is forty six years old. <laughs> so Alex, I just old. want to tell you, it's coming very, from uh, the Medicare side of the fence, that ain't old. Yeah, no, no, but, <laughs> but, but for an average, but for an average, no, it's, it's a high average. You know, and it's, well, and so this the, is the an interesting is, is that, point too. Is that uh, the there is a there is another cliff with really young people, people under thirty, right, right. And they have a different, whole different environment and understanding of this. Yeah, uh, I watch my son with his TikToks, and it's just not. I don't get it. It's like I don't get it. Well, and, I don't and, get and how I they relate. That, I don't get what they do for a good time. I don't get it. But that's normal, right? But that's, that's normal. That's, that's we, how it's we never to be. get what how our Stop, you know. I learned. Yeah. Cut your hair and stop playing that rock and roll. Yeah. Hey, I got to take a break. We've gone on. This has been such a good conversation. We've gone way too long. I just need to to take a break. We can come back to this or we have lots of other things to talk about. Georgia Dow is here. My personal internet therapist, youtube.com slash Georgia Dow. She's very kindly offered her email address for people who do feel a little stress or want a little uh, information about things they can do. She's got uh, great videos too, but the email address is Georgia at Westmount Therapy. Dot com. That's her therapeutic group. And of course, her videos, uh, and I have all of them, are at anxiety-videos.com. Bill Detweiler is here, editor-in-chief of Tech Republic. What is the, what is the mandate of Tech Republic? What is the focus? Is it enterprise? So, Leo, we're all about bringing together those enterprise and IT uh, and business decision makers with um, people who provide those services. So we're that connection point between people who need to use tech for work and the people that want to connect people um, who need those businesses and services. Nice. And it's a great place to go. And, of course, uh, Jason Heiner is a regular on the show, and he was there for many years. You kind of took his position uh, as EIC there. Uh, and I know Aunt Pruitt worked for you at Tech Republic for a long time. So we're part of the... Yeah, I know both of those guys. Yeah, yeah, we're part of the Tech Republic family, I think. And Alex Lindsay, also part of our family, MacBreak Weekly, the founder uh, and a regular host of MacBreak Weekly, and Rub Sleg in the new Rub Sleg Star Wars story appearing soon on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. Our show today brought to you by something we use all the time, and I love Stripe... Uh, what a great way to improve your posture in, uh, in terms of e-commerce. We use Stripe for our payment platform on uh, Club Twit. That's when I first, I mean, I knew, I've known about Stripe for years, but that's when I really became a customer. Man, I am now blown away by Stripe. Um, Stripe is the payments platform. With Stripe, your business can easily optimize your payments infrastructure, simplify its expansion plans, create new revenue streams, and all help you grow and initiate change rather than having to react to it. Those of us who are Stripe users and Stripe customers often remark about the incredible efficiency Stripe adds to businesses like Shopify, to Postmates, to Twilio. They all use Stripe to power their global payments. We use a Memberful, which is a Patreon company, and they use Stripe. Twilio 
and this is, I think, pretty typical, increased its authorization rates by an impressive 10% with Stripe. And they actually tested it with an A-B test using multiple global payment processors. Stripe helped Postmates generate over $70 million in revenue, increasing their authorization rates. I've seen Stripe users on Twitter say as much as 20% improvement. Stripe is great. It's easy to use. Once integrated, their single platform and world-class docs, documents are so important, allow businesses to easily experiment so you can scale and grow revenue. And Stripe is a leader. I mean, they process billions of dollars every year for every size business, from pre-seed startups to Fortune 500 companies. With Stripe, and this was important to us, you're easily international. They support 135 plus currencies and payment types. And they're always improving. Stripe does not sit still. They do not rest on their laurels. There are new features, hundreds every year, new improvements to help you stay ahead of the industry as it moves. And I love the five nines API uptime. 250 million plus API requests a day. We launched Club Twit this year with Stripe as our payment platform. It's seamless in accepting payments and issuing refunds. We couldn't be happier with that. In fact, if you've, if you've, Join Club Twit. You've experienced Stripe. And it's great that you can get 135 different currencies and payment methods in there. Let's us focus on business, producing quality podcasts, while we don't have to worry about the payments and the money movement, because Stripe does it for us. Stripe also, and I always like to talk about this with, uh, with our sponsors, as an invested interest in our earth with Stripe Climate, you can direct uh, a portion of your revenue to help scale emerging carbon removal technologies. And it's very easy to set that up. And I encourage you to take a look at it. Whether you're an online or in-person retailer, software platform, marketplace, or subscriptions business, visit Stripe, S-T-R-I-P-E, Stripe.com to learn more about how Stripe can support your business today. Stripe.com. Learn more and get started. It's easy. And man, does it work. Stripe.com. Thank you, Stripe, for making it so easy to run Club Twit. And thank you for supporting This Week in Tech. Stripe.com. All right, we talked about Apple. I guess we should give Google equal time. Google's Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro's phones, which are absolutely zero secrets about. I'm hoping Google has some one little thing that no one knows. They, the ads for the Pixel 6 have now been leaked. We, there's very little... Uh, that we haven't seen about this. Uh, pricing, I think we're going to see uh, $750 for the Pixel 6, somewhat under uh, um, $1,000 for the Pro. Custom Tensor chip, a system on a chip designed by Google. Uh, pretty colors, although I'm not sure all color combinations will be available on all platforms. Um they, they. Um, I think this is going to be very interesting, but you know, we, we don't really know much until uh, it actually comes out. Well, maybe we do. Look at this table. <laughs> this looks like the specs table you would see uh, at the announcement. I'm most interested in the cameras. Uh, the Pro will have three cameras: a 50 megapixel wide, 48 megapixel tele, and a 12 megapixel ultra wide. And of course, Google's camera software has always been great. They've kind of rested on their laurels for. The last two releases. In fact, I didn't even get a Pixel 5 because I thought my Pixel 4 was more than adequate. But I'm ready for the Pixel 6. I think the, the, the camera is everything at this point. It is, <laughs> you know, isn't it's, it? It's a, it, it is a, uh, uh, that's what 
you use the phone for probably more than actually a phone is taking pictures. And so, so I think that rightly so, both Apple and Google have spent an enormous amount, and Samsung have spent just an enormous number of amount of engineering time on trying to make, trying to figure out where they get their, what makes them different. You know, Apple's gone down one path with the last phone where they have Apple ProRes and Macro and, you know, those types of things. And Google is going towards resolution, which if it turns out well, there's going to be a whole, they're able to carve away a group of people where that's more important than what Apple's providing. Apple's uh, been happy with 12 megapixels for many generations now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we've seen, you know, I remember, uh, Windows phones from Nokia with 41 megapixels. I thought that was a lot. 50. Is it? Do you think it'll actually hard, be 50? The hard part is, is that when yeah, you get sensor to those, that size, good Lord. The hard part is the errata related. So a lot of this is computational photography because the, the, the issue you get into is that the errata created by having such small sensor sites. So, you know, to do 50 megapixels, theoretically, um, you know, if you really have a sensor that's able to take 50 megapixels for a small sensor on the camera, that means that each photo site that is saying I've, I, that's seeing light it is, uh, there's a lot of chance that it could be a little wrong. And that's what we see with grain. And when we start gaining up, we start seeing those things. And so as when you make that, you want to make the chip larger so that you can get better low light performance. You can get more, uh, you know, better quality, uh, a quality of pixel, right? And that's what Apple is really focused on more of each pixel getting better as opposed to putting more pixels into it. Now, there are a lot of things you can do. Once you have a 50 megapixel image, when you shrink it down to a 12 megapixel image, it's going to get rid of that as well. And so so having the raw resolution, especially in well-lit scenes, could be advantageous. But it's it's still, it's a lot of pixels to put into a, whatever size they're putting in, one-third, one-half-inch chip. Yeah. Are you, uh, Bill, an Android or an iPhone guy? Well, you know, I love Android hardware. I had the new Samsung Fold 3 uh, for a really long time, and I love the device. I love but, that, too. Know, Isn't that funny? I, I actually still have mine because I bought yeah, it. Yeah, you know, Samsung, mine's sitting in a box over here. And, you know, Samsung rep, if you're listening and you want to let me keep it, you know, please you know, email me. Uh, no, I'll send it back. But um, It's good, I'm isn't it? Apple. Isn't it surprising? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the Fold, but I really like the Flip. Yeah, I mean, it is. You know, I kind of, I, I expected to like the folding phones. I tried the first ones and, um, you know, I was kind of so-so on them. Uh, but I like I like them now. I think there is a real use case for them. And for me personally, I, I would actually spend my own money and buy one of them. The problem is I, my daily driver is an Apple. And so, you know, I am deep into the Apple ecosystem in my personal life. And so I don't see myself actually, you know, just switching out of that ecosystem and going Android and Google, uh, even if I love the hardware. So, so that's kind of hard. Um, and, you know, what's really interesting, you were talking about the cameras on the Pixel 6. I'll be interested to see what the new Tensor chip and the hardware in the phones, Alex, to your point, can do around photos, right? I mean, and they've got this magic eraser feature, I guess, that is rumored uh, to, to come out that'll remove things from the photos. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of caught in the middle. I love Apple's commercials and all the co high-end phone commercials where they show people who are filmmakers using them to create films. But 
I never, you know, use my phone to capture anything that that's that that's um, that's that interesting and exciting. So I don't know if I've reached a point where kind of phones are good enough. I mean, you can always get a little bit better, but uh, I don't I don't know. You know, I'm I'm still you know I'm still about the ecosystem more so than the hardware on the camera. I'm also not a fan of the uh, simulated either portrait mode or cinematic mode. I feel like I can tell the difference. I don't know, Alex, you... You, you absolutely can tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, it's and I not don't the like same. it. It's fakey. Um, it's like those fake backgrounds or the fake blur that I, people are using on Zoom. It bugs the hell out of me. I, I think that there are times when it hits it okay. I play with it a little bit. I, I admit I don't use it very much either. Um, but but I think that it's... Um, it's I think that there is a place for it um, when you're making TikToks or setting yeah, things maybe. out. But, yeah, um, but and, and when I do product shots, sometimes I use it because it just it just gets rid of whatever's behind, the errata behind it. And and on products where you don't have hair, it doesn't cut it all. You know, cut off all the little um, bits that make it feel unreal. So so I think that um, I think that uh, that that I don't think is that exciting. I think that the the macro on on Apple's phone is unbelievable like and and then that for is me, so exciting i mean it is like i can't stop i do i use it all the time like like I just, is that like also synthesized or is that actually a close focus one to one it's picture. a close i don't think it can synthesize that it's doing like it's it. yeah, yeah it's, it's it's doing some of it some of it is is uh um there's a some hey, of it is is computational the folks but, at Haylight I mean, wrote a good article this. about how the uh close focus works and it, yeah it's a it's a mix of yeah, Con- yeah Sorry, you mixture. can see that you can see when it flips over. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly. But right. it's like it's too exciting. I can't even. I've been waiting for it. macro for ages. But wait, but did you have? Here we go. My you, eyeball, love it. Look at that. Oh, she's done a macro. Oh. That's a beautiful iris. I must say. I, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. You have many <laughs> many colors in your so iris. Cool. Yeah. How'd you wait? A minute. How did you do that? Did you just put it up to your eye? Yeah. Like, yes, I stuck it next to my eye. Yes. But, but with the but the back camera, side, the other side. Yes, I had a camera looking at the camera. So oh, I could so you knew where to position it. Yeah, is that your wallpaper? <laughs> that it isn't. Do you think it should be? Should I change? Can you that? send it to me because my... I want to make it my wallpaper. You want? You want? I'll totally. I'll totally. What send color it to you. is that? Totally is, do you have uh, the hazel eyes? What? What it's color? Green. 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 Yeah. Green? Like they're, they're, I don't know. You guys tell they're me. They're beautiful. It's a, that well, looks like a fossil. That looks like. <laughs> thank you. I, I don't know, Leo, if you say it's beautiful looks and it like looks a, like a fossil. It uh, looks like a, 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 thin section, a thin section of a mineral. It's beautiful. No, it's, uh, I don't know what drugs you took in your youth, but it's definitely, there's something going on in that iris. I, I, you know, I don't know. Now I'm not sure how I feel about these statements, but I will still no, send it to you. I will I, send it to you. Look, at, you should, if I want it as my wallpaper, that should tell you something. There we go. Well, there you know, we go. I think you that, that the macro, you well, the macro is so interesting because this is what I love about technology. Um, year, 10 years ago, when I was just starting doing Cracking Open, a series on Tech Republic that we did where we would take apart technology and I would take, I would use a very expensive macro lens and a really expensive DSLR to take these, these macro pictures, you know, these very small pictures of the chips inside devices. And now you can do that with your phone and the pictures are, you know, almost as good or as good as what I was taking with the probably five, six, seven thousand dollars worth of camera equipment. So, you know, that's the amazing thing about technology that now you get that functionality in the 
you know, in the palm of your hand, in and your pants pocket. John, can you zoom in on my uh, <laughs> zoom in on my eye here? I want to get <laughs> a little closer. I'll send close. you your, I'll send you mine. If you send me yours, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm sending it right now. Uh, Chris, well, I, don't, I, think, I don't have a 13, so I, I'm getting simulated. Uh, I think what's great for us as well is that, is that they're, that both companies are focusing on something different. So Google is going towards resolution and Apple is going towards <laughs> other things, you know, and I think that's, it's, it's a really Here's great. something interesting. This, again, is just rumor. Uh, although, like I said, uh, Google is a leaky sieve when it comes to this stuff. Uh, it looks like they're also going to announce something called Pixel Pass, which I'm intrigued by. A monthly subscription that gives you a Pixel phone with the promise of regular upgrades. Are those hardware upgrades? Maybe. It gives you uh, Google One, Play Pass, YouTube Premium, and network coverage from Google Fi. You get an extended device warranty, preferred care, or device protection. Now, uh, I, doesn't say, I don't know what the price is of this. The leak did not include that. We'll have to see or where it will be available. But that is kind of interesting. I'm already a Google Fi user, so um, this might be a... Apple kind of offers that uh, where you, you get a new phone every year. Yeah, the iPhone upgrade pro- program. Yeah, yeah. But I think this is includes a whole bunch of other stuff. I, I mean, if it's a good deal. Google has to do something because, let's be honest, they just don't sell these phones very well. They're not in phone stores. People don't see them. Uh, it's really a small group of people, people who listen to this show or are all about Android show who uh, buy these Pixel phones. The other question will be, Will we see the foldable? Because Google is a, a rumored to be working on a foldable phone for some time. Um, the, one rumor said that they were going to start producing the phone this month, which means probably they would announce it. Well, and I think that one of the advantages that Google has is that the, there's so many other people using their operating system that they don't, you know, they need to build one that allows them to dog food things, allow it keeps them in the market, make sure that, that they still have the ability to turn that on. And that does allow them to keep trying to push some technologies forward with all of their partners. But but their situation is different where I think they need it to be cash positive, but I don't think they need to have the same uh, i don't think their their goal is to take the the same size of the market uh, you know they, they have android has that for them yeah i mean google has many irons in the fire right obviously but you have to wonder what is the business model for pixel uh early on it was well, like well this is a reference device for people who you know developers and others who want to play with a pure android device i don't know what the model is now is well, it well the, the, the issue is is that if you, if you decided if 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 uh samsung if if you're not making these phones it would take you you know five years to be able to make a phone and if samsung decided hey we want to use our own operating system now google's in big trouble you know, so so Google, you know, they they need to be constantly developing hardware. They need to be pushing that envelope all the time because that is, it's not only a way to set up a reference and to kind of keep trying to keep pushing people forward, um, you know, and making sure that everyone's getting better, but it also means that they have that if they need it um, to to continue to push forward. So I don't, I think that it's absolutely necessary for them to to do what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll find out. So we'll be doing the live stream uh, Monday. Uh, uh, at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Micah Sargent and I will cover the Apple event. Tuesday, <laughs> uh, Jason Howell and I will be covering the Google event, 10 a.m. again, uh, a, uh, Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be followed by Mac Break Weekly. 
uh, all about Android that evening. I don't know if we're going to do anything at all for Samsung. Poor little Samsung. Their Unpacked 2 event is Wednesday, October 20th, 7 a.m. my time, which is right there. That's a, that's a showstopper right there. I ain't getting up for this. And I don't think they'll have anything much uh, to announce. They've already announced their phones. Uh, I don't know what it, it – I think the general consensus is it's going to be new features or just, well, we have stuff too. Don't forget us. And all the uh, excitement about Google yeah, and I Apple. I don't know if they'll have any new hardware. They could, you know, um, there's nothing stopping them. But it, it seems like this is going to be, especially with the Part 2 moniker to yeah. this, it's going to be an it's an add-on event, right? You know, this isn't the revenge of Unpacked, right? So, yeah. you know, we'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what they roll out. But I suspect um, it, it's going to be just building on what they announced before, new additions, Maybe um, new flavors. It's kind of uh, pathetic, new- really. <laughs> <laughs> and and like you, I love my Samsung Galaxy Flip Three. I think they they are making one of the most interesting phones. It's at least it's not a slab of glass. Um, so I, we'll talk about it. I'm sure on Wednesday, uh, either on Windows Weekly or Twig, immediately after. So you can we'll we'll catch you up on what's going on. All right, let's take another break and uh, come back. We have more to talk about, but now we've covered the big events coming up this week. Now you know, and I hope you will join us as we do. We do our traditional thing is to stream the event and snark about it in the background. Kind of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of these events. Our show today brought to you by Novo. Novo is the number one business banking app. So what are traditional bank accounts like? It's kind of a rhetorical question. Backed with FDIC insurance. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Fees. Well, you know there's always going to be some hidden fees in the fine print. Mobile apps that are an afterthought. Absolutely. (laughs) Most banks' mobile apps uh, feel like they were invented in the 90s. Takes a long time to open an account. You bet. Oh, and that support from chatbots, ooh, isn't that good? Or the automated phone support. And then they, many banks actually charge you $3 a transfer, $25 for wires. I got a better solution for you. I got Novo, the number one business banking app. Because it's built in the 21st century from the ground up to be powerfully simple and free business banking, Money Magazine called it the best business checking account of 2021. With Novo, no, you don't have to worry. There's no minimum balances, there's no transaction limits, and no hidden fees. They'll immediately mail you a Novo debit card, and you get free ATM use. Forget that surcharge. Novo makes banking easy and secure, and you can manage your account in Novo's customizable web. That's another thing that bugs me. When they have an app and they don't have a website, Novo does it all. Web, app, iOS, uh, Android, Built-in profit-first accounting and invoicing. You'll like that. Plus, you can tag each transaction and upload receipts. It was built for business. Of course, it seamlessly integrates with all the leading business tools like Stripe, you bet, Shopify, of course, QuickBooks, and more. And it's absolutely free, that integration. Plus, Novo offers over $5,000 in perks and discounts just for signing up. Look, all I'm asking you is check it out. Banknovo, B-A-N-K-N-O-V-O dot com slash twit. Sign up for free in under 10 minutes. Yes, it's backed with FDIC insurance, but 
You'll also get human-powered customer service, free transferred mail checks, incoming wires. Beyond bank accounts, Novo offers expense management. There's a corporate card. It integrates with major e-commerce infrastructure players. Just ask people who use Novo. A lot of business owners say Novo is light years ahead of my old-fashioned bank. Easy, fast to set up. Works with all our accounting tools and payment apps. One reviewer said, quote, Novo has honestly been the bank of my dreams. The bank of my dreams since I signed up earlier this year. As a solo entrepreneur, I needed something easy yet robust. They've been extremely responsive with all matters, and I could not be happier. Novo's already changed business banking for over 100,000 small businesses. Now you can get Novo. I've been waiting for this. Get your free business banking account up in 10 minutes. Just you, Before the show's over, you'll be ready to go. Go to banknovo.com slash twit. Banknovo.com slash twit. Sign up for free right now. They'll also give you a free copy of Novo's small business starter guide when you sign up. Banknovo.com slash twit. Finally, an app that feels like it was invented in this century. Banknovo.com slash twit. Thank you, Banknovo, uh, for your support. William Shatner boldly going where only a few, well, maybe a 50, 60 men have gone before. Did you now now Georgia I want to give you I want to I want to get your reaction your emotional reaction did you watch the launch in uh, Jeff Bezos's penis rocket did you did you watch Bill Shatner come back I'm sorry I shouldn't do that to you <laughs> when did you watch Bill Shatner come back and 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 he was in tears he was in he was so moved was that cool I think I think it was cool like I would totally go up into space if I could um you got a quarter of a million like- it, that's the thing. That's the thing that bothers me. It's just like, I don't know. It's these billionaires doing, you know, billionaires and bil- millionaires doing things that you're like, like, uh, it's, it's just so self-ingratiating. And I'm like, ah, we could have used money for something else. That's just the piece of it. But the other piece is William Shatner going to space. That's awesome. I'm a Star Trek fan. So like, I'm, I'm totally with it. I think that that's really cool. Um, but like it wasn't it wasn't I was not moved like it was not a huge thing for me I'm happy for him but I don't know does it does it really help the planet any how does it benefit you know, anyone I, I <laughs> will, I will, are we spending I, money wisely I had the same reaction and of course I, I really didn't like uh how much they promoted the fact that they're astronauts when Bezos went up it really I found it a little bit offensive because they're mm-hmm. not they're not really doing anything that you know Alan Shepard didn't do 50 years ago but when Shatner came back, at least, I did understand one benefit of sending non-astronauts up into space, artists, poets, people who can talk, is he really f- expressed in, so, in such a beautiful way the moment of going out of the atmosphere into the black of space and really realizing how fragile our planet was. And I thought that was quite beautiful and quite real. And so I do think there is an advantage to sending people like Shatner up because they're going to give us a take on this that we can identify a little bit better with than the astronauts and engineers who have preceded him. Which might then do some good in exactly. some way. Right. Well, I, I mean, 
We have to remember that, I mean, for, for better or for worse, most of the things, uh, many things that, that we have in the world are rich people's, like we're rich people messing around, you know, like, you know, with their money. And instead of spending it all where it should go, I mean, you know, the, the helicopter was, you know, an auto gyro and, you know, like that was a rich person trying to figure something out, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, uh, you know, the, but a lot of the things that we, you know, the, the, Conqu- you know, the, the, whatever we sent ships out all over the place and we've done all those things. And, and again, not all of it was net positive for everyone. Um, but, but the point is, is that a lot of technology goes through by people starting this way. There's going to be some point 20 or 30 years from now that we're, um, that we are doing this all the time. And that's, this is where it starts. You know, it's never going to happen when the government's doing it because it's just, it's just too much. You know, there, there's just, this is a lot of money that we're not, that the government isn't spending on doing that. And it allows NASA to focus on things that are like Mars, you know, and, and like other things because there's other, there's someone else taking care of those things for them. So I think that, I think that there's a real, you know, interesting possibility. I, you know, it, I think it's, it's easy to say, well, they should put that money somewhere, but while it seems like a lot of money, it's not a lot when you start spreading it out to trying trying to yeah. fix problems. It's not yeah. it's not that much money. Like it won't it won't solve anything more than what's already being solved. I mean, you know, you know, it's, it's well, it's, it it's could really have not. better use than this. Like it could do more good. And I'm not. This is a this is a very expensive dollar amusement yeah. park ride. It strikes me yes. when I'm watching yes, it. Exactly. It's like, yeah, well, like that's an amusement park ride. Good. I'm glad you got to go. Yeah. Well, it's but I think, I think that in the long term, there's nothing breakthrough happening here. There's nothing we don't know solving any problems we haven't already solved a hundred times. Go ahead, Bill. No, I, I would just wonder. I, I, part of me, because I can see both sides of the argument. You want to make sure that our financial resources, whether they're private or public, are being put to good use. At least you'd like to think that um, on mass, right, for society's benefit as a whole. But, you know, I wonder if some of the backlash is just from the amount of kind of showmanship or excess celebration. That's what bugs me. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, like you, Leo, I I did watch it and I listened to Shatner's words. And I I think a lot of listen to a lot of the scientists um, that I do um, and some astronauts, you know, that was the benefit they see is putting regular people. Exactly. Into space who can come back and share their experiences and show others that this is a future that we want to take. These are the voyages as a species we want to make. We need to move out. And there is a real possibility of being able to do this. So I would which I thought you got to some degree, maybe. Um, with some of the early space exploration missions, you know, where, sure, there were ticker-take parades. People were hailed as, as heroes, of course, you know, and well-deserved. Um, but I get the sense that it was a collective celebration around something, look what we have done, yes. as opposed to, look what I have done. I'm going to pop the champagne, yeah. and it's all – and even though you make, you know – Bezos or Richard Branson talk about the teams that they have and the amazing people there. And so does Musk with SpaceX. Um, You still, when you see those images, you just got a little bit of, yes, it's, you know, it's me. (laughs) And, and, and that rubs people a little bit the wrong way, I think. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, 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 it's a mixed bag and uh, yeah. And, and I do feel like uh, I've been reading uh, Brad Stone's new book about Amazon, Amazon Unbound. He talks a lot about Blue Origin. And while there is this aspect of billionaires competing, you know, Bezos is, damn that Elon Musk, he got the contract and Musk going, ah, what's he doing? That's not, you know, there is that little bit of that. But uh, honestly, what Blue Origin is hoping to do 
is is very important. Uh, you know, and, and, and Bezos is a businessman. He says, this is one of my investments that might take decades to pay off. But ultimately, I expect Blue Origin to make money mining asteroids or uh, maybe in space tourism. I think space tourism has to be the least important thing that Blue Origin is doing. Um, you know, I, and it's about building that infrastructure. Yeah, you know, exactly. To point, right. You exactly. know, I mean, Bezos has said he couldn't have built Amazon without the infrastructure that already existed of the right. post office of FedEx right. and shipping and yeah. the Internet. So we need that infrastructure of space flight for all the great entrepreneurs to envision new businesses and opportunities beyond the planet, as well as people like Shatner to tell us, look, you know, if you screw up the planet, if you screw up the environment, we don't have anywhere else to go. Space right. is hard and cold and it's death. Yeah. So we <laughs> should really take care of the planet. So and, and just like, um, you know, ever, a lot of people that I've talked to, just like Georgia, I would go in a heartbeat. So oh, if sure. anyone out there too. is willing to fund my Hell trip, yeah. <laughs> you know, send it my way and uh, yeah. I'm on the next ship. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather go in orbit. But if I can't go in orbit and I maybe shouldn't go in orbit. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind the amusement park ride. Yeah. It's, you know what? We live in interesting times, don't we? At least we're going, we're doing stuff for, there were, there was a period of time there after the end of the shuttle where we weren't doing much at all. So it's nice that we're kind of back in space. Um, are you going to get a Vive flow, Georgia Dow? I know you're big into uh, uh, virtual reality. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait and see. Are you Are you excited to try it out, Leo? So I'm. I'm. You know, I wanted to ask you about it because you use the uh, you use the Vive. You use the Vive, don't you? As well as the Oculus Rift, I believe you do. Yes. And we have yeah. a Vive. I love the Vive. I'm not a VR fan like you are. Georgia's family has three rooms dedicated to virtual reality, so that they can all play at once. Um, this looks. This Vive is interesting. It's lighter. It's it's. It doesn't have a battery in it or power in it. You have to plug it into an external battery. Uh, you don't need to wear glasses with it. It has a op diopter adjustment in there, so you can adjust it to your eyesight. $500, but Vive says the flow is intended more for relaxation. It's not a. I think the others are for gaming more. Um, according to the information, the intent of the Vive is more for sitting back and looking at things, you know? If if I could run this to do meditations and exactly. phobia experiences in my office, I would be 100% in because I would love to do exposure therapy, which I think is, it, so in, in vivo exposure therapy is when if you have, say, a fear of elevators, we're going to be going into elevators. If you have a fear of heights, we're going to be taking right. you to heights. The wonderful part is that our brain, the ocul our, our actual visual cortex of our brain, it's so powerful that we do believe it if we see it. Like if you've ever done any of the experiences where you're really high up and using like virtual reality, you truly believe that you are there. Your body is like, no, I'm there. Don't go. And you'll have the full experience to it. So this would be a wonderful standalone because it's affordable. It's on its own. I don't need to set it up to a system. I don't need to make sure that all the cameras are there and there's no light. It would be standalone. And I could do meditations, make you feel really relaxed and then do exposures I would definitely and, buy it. And in a you would be able to work. do this. So they, they're proposing a $5.99 subscription per month subscription. 
But because you tie it to your Android device, it can also be a view screen for anything you can put on your Android phone. So presumably these PTSD treatment programs could be made available um, uh, as an app on the on the Android phone and it could then be part. Of, and that's kind of nice because you can control it. You can do additional things with it. It does not have hand controls. And I wonder how you feel about that. HTC said they don't feel like hand controls are reliable, hand tracking is reliable enough and robust enough. And they're afraid that if they put it on the device and it doesn't do it reliably, it's just bad for the brand. Have you, how do you feel about that? I, I, I don't like the fact that there's not hand controls. I think that interacting with things, it's better if we interact in person with it. It makes me feel disjointed to what yeah. I am controlling. And I don't think that the system is like when I, when you use like a quest and you have like at least a little bit of hand control, even though it, it's not fully tracking everything, I find that's much better experience for me than being able to use another manner of tracking for it. So that would be another reason why I probably wouldn't get it. But again, we're getting closer to be able to treat people in ways that, you know, they can really be helped. And I think that that's an area of virtual reality that has not been properly explored. Well, and this would be a good candidate for it. It's light. You know, there's no straps that you have to adjust. You're not strapped into the VR headset. It's just like putting on kind of weird. Uh, I, I think that there's, there's goggles. A, <laughs> I, I think that there's some there's definitely some places where you don't need to interact um, that you could just experience a space um, experience walking around and looking at something without having to actually uh, touch it mm-hmm. um, you know and so like we've we've done some museum um, stuff where we've you know virtual museums where it's like a 30 by 30 space and you can walk around in it and you can uh, just experience it you're not you're not interacting with the statues, you know, the virtual statues. You're just walking around and looking at them. Um, and so so I think that there's definitely a place for not having to deal with all the other bits and pieces to it. Um, I also think that in some cases there's um, some folks that, that I know have been working on uh, PTSD for, you know, and, and some of that treat, some treatment that's related to it along with, you know, augmenting, <laughs> augmented treatment. Um, and in those areas, they're not using any of that. They're really just experiencing what they what they need to experience (laughs) for some reason HTC took some heat because their uh, photos uh, of the uh, uh, device were really just photos of stock photos of people (laughs) with the device photoshopped onto it Um, is that the same photo uh, it's not the same exactly but it's the same person girl it's it's wearing the same clothes same clothes (laughs) Um, this is the this is the uh, eye stock photo and uh, this is her wearing that's the same photo wearing you know right. those ad budgets aren't what they used to yeah be. i don't you know they did, the fact that they bit. didn't do a shoot is not the end of the world <laughs> um, i feel you know a lot of times that is the um uh someone probably used those photos for the like as the test and then they just what what happens there here's the behind the scenes on some of that is you go down you download a bunch of stuff from iStock you comp everything in you say this is what we want to do so in all the the, the tests for the ads you all have those things and now you're going to go out and do the photo shoot right and the photo and what happens is you do the photo shoot and you don't like it as much as the iStock ones and yeah. you're just like you know let's just stick with the ones we have it actually works there, pretty there well probably was a shoot yeah. there was probably a shoot there that just didn't didn't, didn't go Okay. Yeah, you did, didn't make it to the thing. It was yeah, weird. I don't think it reflects badly on the product. It's just, you know, maybe on the marketing yeah. department, but doesn't reflect badly <laughs> on, on the product. Those are really expensive to shoot well. 
You know, like it's not like the, it looks simple, but to light it and to get yeah. it all working and everything yeah. else is, yeah. is a thing. And who knows, maybe there was a, you know, there, a time constraint. You know, maybe they didn't have the production yeah. models ready. And now they get to... free publicity about how yes. they use soft photos. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably the win for them anyways. Different. I'm glad to see actually HTC exactly. making more because uh, I don't want Facebook to own this space. Yeah. Uh, I think the Vive is a good product. I was worried that they might have decided that it's not enough money to continue development. So it's good to see them making this. Of course, everybody's just waiting to see what Apple does. And uh, it's widely rumored that Apple is both doing a VR and a mixed reality headset. The VR will be out maybe next year and then the AR set the year after. I think that one, one thing that's distinct from what Apple's doing and what everybody else is doing is they're building the production pipeline right. very, very slowly. So if you watch what, what's happening with USDZ and Motion and Final Cut and everything else, they're putting all these 3D tools in that don't make any sense right now. <laughs> you know, so, so the um, you know, like a lot of those tools, you're like, why would they do that? And, and, um, and they have object capture so that you can capture 3D objects. And so they're slowly seeding the market with the ability to create the content for it, which is what's missing um, right now. It's, it's pretty arduous to build content for um, Oculus or or for the Vive. And so, um, so making it something that anybody can do, um, is going to be, is going to be a game changer. I think when, when Apple, um, does whatever they're going to do. Um, I think that they're, what they've done is a very, very orderly rollout, um, where they're just slowly adding the pieces that need to be added. You can um, see to, it happening in slow motion. It's, it's very Over the last five years, yeah. over the last five years, the USDZ, I think was four or five years ago is when they announced it. And then they've been rolling out object, you know, they, uh, reality, creator reality converter object capture and you know and then you know motion now has it you can open up a 3d model in preview and you know and it's it's amazing you know and so those are the kind of things that that are possible right now george are you still uh high on vr and you still play as many hours of vr as you did i've been really busy so i have not played as many hours but yeah there's some really cool games i don't i'm gonna get my husband to text me the game that he's playing right now which it uses the entire room and it's a puzzle game where it uses the room and it feels like you're moving around and you're like shooting a whip and then controlling something and then jumping to another platform is it like a virtual reality escape room kind of it is it's more like indiana jones has a feeling and it works out really well and it's kind of fun and you're getting a little bit of physical activity. And there's a new game by the makers of Arizona Sunshine, which is a zombie, you know, you get to fight together, zombie apocalypse, which is really exciting. And so there are some very cool games that are there. But again, you know, it's it's for a certain set of people that will enjoy these games. I and love I it. Understand. When, the, when the family gets together to fight a zombie apocalypse, I think it's a real... <laughs> Heartbreak, heart touching mo- moment, you know, of togetherness. I like that. Yeah, exactly. I have to say, I, I, exactly. I, I, we're getting I took prepared. A, yeah. I took an, I took an Oculus Quest to, to um, the, the shore when my, my, my extended family all went to the, went to the shore in, in, uh, in June. And the only thing that slowed, the only time that that Oculus Quest got set down is when it ran out of batteries. You right. know, like it was, it's it really was cool. The kids, <laughs> yeah. the kids were all just completely like, there's yeah. always one kid sitting there w- w- wandering around yeah. in space. It, yeah. it, you feel like you're, you're in the future. I remember the first time I put one on, it's like, oh, this is what the future is going to be like. <laughs> well, and, and we're still, we're still dealing with the 320 by 240 version of this. Right. So, Really, where close to what it could be, yeah. When we start getting into um, higher frame rates, so really, we're really clamped down in the 
you know, the 30 or 60 frames per second, uh, and also the very low resolution of 4K per eye, you know, or, or less oftentimes. And so when we, when we start seeing, you know, high frame rates in the 90 to 120 frame per second at, you know, 8, 8K per eye, um, it is completely different. You know, it's a completely different experience as you start to go down that path where it really feels like you're somewhere. Um, and so, so I think that that's going to, we're still, again, we're still looking like everything we've seen so far is like the 320 by 240 video version of what is probably still four or five years away. Did, has anybody ever tried the Pimax? This is an 8K Kickstarter for an 8K VR headset that really looks dopey. I, I, I wonder if this ever shipped. Uh, they raised. I don't think it. I don't almost, think it. Yeah, I don't think it did. They raised four point two million dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> we, we, we were all rooting for them. I noticed. I noticed <laughs> estimated delivery uh, January twenty eighteen. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, this might be one of those. Yeah, this is why for me. I, it's still all about the content, and and I think this is what's important about Alex's point. You know, is that the pipeline has to be there of content that you're looking for. That I'm still looking for that one killer app. You know, I tried the the Oculus, and I've tried the Vive, and I've got a PS4 VR that I played, um, and it really, you know, it was it was a completely different experience. Games that I had played in um, not VR and then played them in VR, I actually enjoyed the immersion a lot better. Um, but to me, there's still, you know, I'm still not completely sold. There's still. Uh, something missing yet for me to be able to say that it's an essential technology. So I hope as the tech gets better, the content gets better. So you're, you find that one thing. Maybe this is a solution to the conversation we were having earlier where you have those face-to-face interactions in VR um, in the metaverse. Yeah. And that's, I, the, uh, th- that's the tech conference of the future. I, I think that, that that's going to be further away than most people think. You know, I think that when, when we talk about, you know, like we, we you know, we, I've been playing since Second Life. I've been playing with, you know, virtual. And my my daughter is an interior designer in Roblox. Like she literally, people pay her Roblox money to like do their house up and stuff like that. And so, so I see a lot of, I see a lot of Roblox and, um, and I, uh, uh, and I've been watching a lot of this and I think that people get very excited about it, but I find the process of the digitalization of a person to be uh, really dehumanizing. And, and I think that it is, it actually, it is, I spent a, I've spent a lot of time uh, using, you know, using um, uh, Unreal um, or Epic's uh, MetaHuman, which is amazing, by the way, for what what I use it for, uh, which is pre-visualization and everything else. But when we start animating the face, the problem is the face actually, MetaHuman faces look really close to human faces. Like it really starts to close that gap. And it's immediately super weird, you know, like it's, it's, you know, so because it's uncanny as soon as valley. You get, yeah, it is, you get into the uncanny valley and you're like, okay. And, and the problem is, is to get to that, we're still a long way away. Like from, from us being able to like have our own version of it and be able to capture our face accurately and be able to send it back. I did a project where I did a bunch of metahuman and I would have been happier with the memojis. And, and I understand the memojis yeah. a little bit better now, where by lowering that resolution and making it kind of cartoony, I'm totally, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm excited about it. And it's really cool. And it's so realistic, but not really realistic. And that's the part that I think, I think it's going to take us at least a decade. And I think that I don't know if we're going to really feel like we need it. 
you know. Well, it's the it's the eyes, right? Like it's always yeah. the eyes in video games, even the best rendered video games, the eyes and the way that the pupils dilate and where that they're looking is off. And because we have a dedicated center of our brain that's actually tracking with, with this mirror neurons, we know that it's off. And that always right. causes this disjoint and it really bothers me in video games and I would much rather have an animated version of people where I don't expect it when it gets so close that it's real it's similar to you Alex when you're looking at people with a blurred background and you're like it's so close to being okay but it's not your brain keeps on going okay not okay okay not okay and so that same thing happens but when it's a picture of a person that is really close to a person, we're now misreading all of those firings of how they're reacting to things. And they look a little bit dead eyed and that we don't react very positively to at all. Like if they were zombies, it's totally fine because you would expect (laughs) the dead eye look, but you probably don't want to interact with your friends as zombies. So that's why the shark in the suicide squad isn't so threatening because his eyes aren't dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did try to make well, him cute. Him and Starro <laughs> are pretty cute for like yeah. animated creatures. And, and I have they, to say, and it's Sylvester Stallone, right? So <laughs> he did a great job. Uh, he yeah. did a great job. It was one of my favorite, you know, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone moments. Was there? Don't send me hate. Don't send me hate. Send it to Leo. Talk about we'll forward the one. Talking about moral panic. Wall Street Journal article. Actually, this one I'm throwing to you, uh, Georgia, because you're an expert in this. So apparently. Uh, doctors are starting to get an unusual number of young girls coming in saying they've got tics, facial tics. Uh, Movement disorder doctors were stumped at first, writes the Wall Street Journal. Girls with tics are rare, and these teens had an unusually high number of them, which had developed suddenly. After months of studying the patients and consulting with one another, experts at top pediatric hospitals in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K. discovered most of the girls had something in common. TikTok. According to a spate of recent medical journals, articles, doctors say the girls had been watching videos of TikTok influencers who said they had Tourette syndrome. And is this crazy? Is this just moral panic or is this literally... A thing. I mean, they say the Salem witch trials were a case of hysteria among adolescent girls. I'm not going to say that there are no cases of that actually happening, that there's a contagion effect where there's something, someone that's popular and they have something. And you then can't get Tourette's are, by seeing much, a video of it. it. Well, it wouldn't actually be considered Tourette's, yeah, right? It yeah. would be considered a nervous or anxious tick. The problem is, is that anxiety can create ticks anyway. So how do we know ah, that they just don't? Because be it's very else. common. Right? Yeah, and find me a and teenage people, girl who doesn't live on TikTok. Exactly. That, so it becomes one of these things that just because that there's a correlation does not mean that it's a causation, right? right? So these girls probably also all read books or, right. you know, all you They like French fries. So, it's the, that's yeah, what's causing it, it. it. Yeah. So I'm not so sure. Like, it's something that you need to kind of take a look at. But I think that it's more of one of those things that the article, it it could it, like again it could totally positively be perhaps but i don't think that that is something that i would be the first thing that i would think about i would take a look and see what is their anxiety levels what have them they've been doing what have they been consuming because i deal with so many people that have anxiety ticks and anxiety has been skyrocketing right after the pandemic people being locked inside spending a I lot of time on social media yeah it would be one of, and again, I probably see this more than others because I'm an anxiety therapist. So I would see anxiety more often and someone else that deals with other things might, you know, say that it could be something else, but 
I would probably look to like the straightest line is probably the truth. And it's just so much. It's so very common to get ticks when you feel anxiety. Since March 2020, and what happened in March 2020? Texas hmm. Children's Hospital has hmm. reported seeing approximately 60 teens with such ticks, whereas in the past one or two cases a year. Johns Hopkins University's Tourette's Center says uh, 10 to 20 percent of pediatric patients have described acute onset tick-like behaviors up from 2 to 3 percent a year before. But I think you're right. Anxiety uh, is, is a problem in general thanks to, uh, thanks to pandemic. Uh, what mm-hmm. is weird is that there are a lot of TikToks with, with uh, hashtag Tourette's. Uh, I guess because it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, why. Billions, literally. It's, 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 again, Tourette's is something that people don't understand. It's very, very visual. You get a lot of very divergent, different types of reactions. Right. And so because of that, it would probably be considered more palatable to watch. And so if you, even if you, like, with, with TikTok, right? Like, so you're looking, you scroll, you're starting to, like, you know, slow down. It's tracking that. And so because of that, you're going to get more videos that deal with that. And because it's going to be something that's kind of explosive and pops out and unexpected, you're probably going to pause more often and see it feels your feed. This one, there's no explanation for. This is in the same article. A movement disorders fellow, uh, Caroline Olvera, noticed that numerous teens were saying the word beans, often in a British accent, beans, even patients who didn't speak English were saying it. Some patients mentioned they'd seen TikTok videos of others with ticks. She created a TikTok account, started watching videos of teens and adults who said they had Tourette syndrome. She discovered that one top Tourette influencer was a Brit whose Tourette's manifested as often blurting out the word beans. She, st- <laughs> she studied 3,000 TikTok videos, found that 19 of the 28 most followed Tourette influencers on TikTok reported developing new ticks as a result of watching others' videos. We are very well, inf- inf- easily influenced, aren't we? We are. We we have parts of the brain. We are mimics. Like, humans are mimics by nature. Right. We like to think that we're, oh, we're, we're like making our own choices and dealing with that. But actually, for most of our development, we are just mimicking behavior. Right. And That's we what are we very do. strong mimics. So if you do have an influencer, or even if you hang out with people that speak with an accent... Every once in a while, you may say a word with an accent, or there's a lot of people that will just suddenly merge and chameleon into saying things. I do that not all the time. To make fun of or mock. It's just they're submerged in that, and so that part of our brain that deals with mimicry, which we also have specialized neurons that just deal with mimicking behavior, because of that. Yes, an influencer that you like has a much greater influence. Like what you consume actually physically modifies your brain. And so I think that we do need to take a look at, we're very careful about what we consume in food. We need to be even more like important and take a look at what we consume for our brains because it is physically modifying the way that we feel about and and what we do with things. But people spend an average, I just saw a statistic that uh, teenagers on average spent three or four hours a day on Instagram. When you're spending that much time doing anything... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to have an influence on you. And think about that along with the fact that your prefrontal cortex, the part that deals with consequences to actions, is not developed. Yeah. So we end up with the parts of being able to be influenced. And when you're a teen, so when you're young, your greatest influence is your parents. But when you develop into teenagers, 
like, again, we have 100,000-year-old brains in modern society, but our brain is still pretty much cavemen. Not exactly, but pretty much cavemen. <laughs> and so... <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Go. (laughs) And so that was the time that we left our tribe and went off with uh, to create another tribe was during our teen years. So our peers become the greatest amount of influence on our behavior and what we're going to choose to do. New York Times. So you're spending all this time consuming social media and that is modifying your brain without the thought of consequences, which only is fully developed at the age of 24. Wow. I remember 24, uh, <laughs> distantly. Uh, the New York Times today had an article about Instagram, which uh, you know says they're struggling with fears of using their their pipeline. Young young users, Instagram spends millions trying to attract young people because that's how Facebook hopes to stay relevant. As as more and more young people leave Facebook or never join Facebook in the first place, it says. Uh, 300 their global annual marketing budget 390 million dollars a year was almost entirely dedicated to teenagers in starting in 2018 and that's where that number that i just mentioned uh, came from internal fa- instagram information uh, that uh, two former employees leaked to the new york times the average teen time spent on instagram during the pandemic was 3 to 4 hours a day yikes yikes All right, let's take a little break. We'll come back with more. Uh, Our show today, uh, actually, before we do the ad, I do want to show you some of the things that happened this week because we had a very good week on uh, Twit, and John has a little video for you. Watch. So basically, everybody knows my problem with the Nest Home Hub and YouTube Music. Play the song Skidamarink by Andy and Susanna. Tonight by Andy Williams. (laughs) (laughs) What? <laughs> it, gets, it gets better. Play the song Skidamarink by Andy and Susanna on YouTube Music. What's up? By Four Non Blondes. Sure. <laughs> Playing on YouTube Music. Previously on Twit. This week in Google. If we are to have a Facebook that's a good Facebook, some people will say is possible. I'm a skeptic. We can't leave Facebook in charge of it. There has to be an escape hatch. There has to be a way for you to configure Facebook so that it serves your interests and not Facebook shareholders' interests. Smart Tech Today. This is the box for the Smart Sticky Note Printer hey, Day got One his? Editions product. Aww. It says your note was sent to the Amazon printer and it is currently printing out right now. My hello, Smart Tech Today. says nice. hello, Smart Tech Today. And um, I don't know where to put that. Security Now. Google recently sent warning notices. To more than 14,000 users of Gmail, warning that, quote, government-backed attackers may be trying to steal your password. This warning shouldn't be a surprise. I'm feeling kind of left point. out, to be honest. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Yeah. <laughs> I get Apple invitations now, but I still don't hear from Google ever. Twit. I don't know. Why didn't I get your mass text? I'm in your contacts. <laughs> All right. It was a good show. Cory Doctorow, if you didn't see a twig this week, is fantastic on this week in uh, Google. Highly recommend that. And uh, no, I, did I ever ask Ron why he wants to hear Skidamarink? Because honestly, maybe maybe the Nest is just telling him, no, you, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Don't you want to hear four non-blondes? Come on, Skidamarink? Really? Uh, 
Does he have children? I don't even think he has. Does he have kids? Maybe he has. Oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> if I hadn't had kids, I wouldn't even know that song at all, but I do. Our show today brought to you by Zip Recruiter. I love it. I love it that the, there are there are people are hiring again. What I don't love is that many of the places I go say we're not open yet because we can't get employees. There are some things in life I like to pick out by myself. I know that I've got the one that's best for me. Cuts of steak, mattresses, bottles of wine. Wouldn't you like to pick out the perfect employee for your business? What if you could? That's what ZipRecruiter does. Their invite to apply feature lets you pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. I know so many business people are saying, where do I find employees? I'll tell you where. ZipRecruiter. When you post on ZipRecruiter, your post, your job uh, listing goes to more than 100 social media and job boards. It goes all over the place. You're going to reach the largest possible audience. But ZipRecruiter does something amazing. They will look at your job opening and then send you the most qualified people for your job. They have millions of resumes on file. They go through it automatically, obviously, and they say, oh, this person be this person matches, this person matches. They're not invited to apply until you look at them, you review the candidates, say, all right, I want to invite these five people, and then you invite them to apply for your job. And by the way, this is a great way to hire people. Lauren Webb, who's the Senior Vice President of Talent Acquisition for Mandula Health, she uses ZipRecruiter, and she loves Invite to Apply. Webb said, I love that feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate if I invite candidates. It's easy for me. It's easy for them. You want people to, to take that job you're offering? You want people to apply for that job? Invite them with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology is so good. And I'll tell you what, I will vouch for this because it's true for us. We use it all the time. Well, not all the time, but when we're hiring, that's what we use. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. For us, it's often within an hour or two. You'll just love that feeling of knowing, wow, people want this job. See for yourself. Just go to the exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. Please use that address so they know you saw it here. ZipRecruiter, Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R. How do you like that? I can spell ZipRecruiter.com slash T-W-I-T. That was a little easier. ZipRecruiter.com slash Twit. Try it for free. And you've got to try the invite to apply. It's really cool. ZipRecruiter.com slash Twit. We thank them so much for their support of This Week in Tech. Uh, Canon's been doing this for a long time. But finally, a class action lawsuit against the printer manufacturer... By David Lee Craft, he filed a class action lawsuit on Tuesday uh, alleging deceptive marketing and unjust enrich enrichment by the manufacturer. What is Canon doing? Well, he's got an all-in-one machine, the PIXMA MG6320, that will not scan or fax documents if the printer runs out of ink. You have to buy ink before you can scan. <laughs> It doesn't use ink to scan. It's not printing anything. It's not necessary, but it won't work. And this is, of course, this is what a you lot just, of printer companies do. You just can't <laughs> believe they got, they got away with it for so long. They got, they've like, been doing this since 2016. So I was just going to yeah. say, I can't believe no one's brought a suit until now. Yeah. This seems yeah. absurd. 
uh, when and especially he, lawyers. Like the thing is, is that you know the only person that makes money on this is lawyers, and so I'm surprised that a firm hasn't gone. Wow, this is a really good class action suit. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of printers out there. You know, I'm going to make 33 percent of whatever we pull out. You know, it's, <laughs> a support agent told him you could damage the printer if you if you scan without ink. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. No, of the pixels. You know the pixels are connected. They're they're powered by the ink. You don't know that. You, you probably oh. wondered when you had all those scans how you ran out of ink. Yeah. So you were like you were printing them, and not all the ink, just the blue ink. The blue <laughs> ink is used for the actual scanning. You know process. They they turn the the ink into into pixels. Oh, brilliant! You know, see, see, I, that's that's. I bet you be some people actually would believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, people don't question it right like yeah. we just don't question oh, it I we're like ink. oh of course i must need ink so but the, the whole real machine reason is, is and we, we know what the reason is is these companies sell these inkjet printers for at or below cost for nothing they're, they're 50 more bucks expensive they're more expensive than blood yeah the ink right? is so, the ink yeah. is Be- the, and so yes, exactly. they're going to make it up with the ink in fact, it's, sometimes it's cheaper to buy a new printer than to buy a set of ink cartridges. Yes. <laughs> Especially if it's a couple years old. Yeah. And you can't find the cartridges yeah. at a local retailer online. Well, that's... They're 50, 60 bucks. Just get a free part of the new model. printer. Yeah. We, we, we used to, when we were doing lots of events on site, we'd buy printers all the time, like locally, and then we'd just give them to somebody in the crew. I'm like, here, have a printer. Like, like, it's, like well, it's, not, it's not even worth yeah. taking home. They you come know? in like a cereal just, box. There's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. It's not worth it. I remember injecting the ink with like the needle and oh, you're God. like re-inject. Like it was yeah. a horrible, like I did it, but like it was just oh. a horrible experience. It was, they, it was terrible. That, the I companies that do, over. The companies that do um, that always try to advertise on our radio show. And I, oh, I always say, I'm not going to, I can't, I cannot. But they advertise a lot on tech radio shows, not on podcasts, but because pod, anybody who listens to this show is smarter than trying to do that. But they always want to buy radio shows. It must make a ton of money. On these inkjet refills, yeah, you have to use a, a, a syringe. A syringe, yeah. No, and is it messy? Full thing. It's very messy. Like <laughs> you're good at it. I'm not good at it. Like, if you're a surgeon, you're probably just fine. But well, and not. the way they get, you know, yeah. and by the way, that might be the only way because a oh. lot of these companies now, if you use a third party cartridge, just won't work. They they have chips yeah. in them. Yes. And they just won't work at all. So you have to buy first party ink, and it's very expensive, as you said, more expensive than blood. Per and, and how often do you really print things at home? So what I always find myself doing is I buy a printer, and the one that I have sitting right next to me here, I've probably had for five years. I think I bought ink for it once. Yes. I mean, by the time I need to buy it a it's all second dried up. time, it's all dried up. This thing is terrible. It's out of date. It won't connect to my iPhone half the time. It doesn't connect to Wi-Fi half the time. I'm just going to toss it and buy a new printer. I, I just, you know, it, it baffles me that you know it, it, we're still here. It, it baffles me that there someone hasn't come up with a better business model. Well, maybe they haven't because this is such a good lucrative business model. You know, it's the razor blade model of uh, printers. Yeah. Well, I, I think the funny right, thing is, right. so I, I had someone sent me a, a UPS um, a label that I had to print out. I couldn't find a printer that worked in my house. I was like, I, and I just went to UPS. I was like, I was like, they said, did, did you print it out before you got here? I was like, no, I don't, I don't know how to do I that. I can't anymore. print. Like, it's, it's paper. Like, it's why like, would I, you know, there's like, just I, some technologies that will understand. not die. That's one of them. Faxes. That's another one of them. They're I just, don't know how to do that either. Yeah. They won't die. And companies still act as if, oh, you got a printer, don't you? No. Well, I think no. that here's the thing. Now that, that what, everyone's what, at home, right? Like there's like now I have to print my own little tiny like 
note files because, like, I'm not going into the office to have them printed there, and I don't want to have to. Honestly, I came this close to buying an IBM Selectric typewriter just so I could type on envelopes. <laughs> it's such a pain. like an actual typewriter. Yeah, my hand. Yeah, because my handwriting's so, so bad, and I and I I just and anyway, um, what I ended up buying is a label printer that prints address labels, and that's all I need. Super. I'm super fortunate to have a great wife. I I, I haven't shipped good handwriting. Anything. I haven't mailed. I haven't mailed anything for <sighs> decades. Oh. <laughs> decades. Like, I, I don't. Well, I literally. I have no like idea. I said like, on like, the stamps.com, it was like. And I have, it was eight dollars. I have Leo stamps for, that I printed like five years ago. They have my picture on them because that was yeah. that's a thing you can do with stamps.com. But they're now the the they're so long ago that I have to put an additional stamp or two just to pay for the postage. And I have all these Leo stamps because who mails stuff anyway? I know that's I know. just so cute they're, though. You have you little Leo forever, stamps. Yeah, but you can't do forever Leos. It turns out. Oh, <laughs> oh. there you go. Oh, that's too bad. You, you can, add a bunch of them. You have a bunch of Leos. Actually, like just, three just Leos worth is what I want. I, to know. Yeah, actually, you know what? I want to use them up. I'll just put two Leos on a, on a letter. Yeah, and that'll why don't do you, it. you like really? Is the, the scent difference? Like you don't have to be exact. Like if it's like whatever. Right, it, I can do it over. <laughs> These are like, forty-seven the cent stamps. What is postage now? Fifty-one. So they so uh, Debbie printed me a whole sheet of four cent stamps. <laughs> so cute. Are they but also next year stamps? I'll have to have another sheet of That's one cent stamps. See, I would just take two of them. I would just be like, okay, yeah, I'm I would just take up. two. Screw I think it. Just I use think them that up. you yep. probably just, can yeah. afford the extra few cents. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, uh, you probably <laughs> the six, the for the six things that you mail out a, 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 a you know a, I, a year. Uh, there, well, here's the sad thing, and I feel terrible about this. Because I do a radio show, I get a lot of older listeners who write me, and I can tell because it's so like spidery handwriting. Right. Dear Leo. And they write me these long handwritten letters. I mean, it's a very old school thing to do, and it's I, it's touching, but they're just a, they're piling up. <laughs> I can't. I, what am I going to do with those? I, I have I, to I, handwrite I, I, an answer. I had yeah, a friend who yeah, wrote you should, me letters. You should have, but even just a little tiny thank you and a little Leo picture. With That's a why Leo I stamp. got the stamps. I was going to do that exactly. <laughs> but I would just send a little, like, thank you so much for sending me that. I think that yeah. people just want to acknowledge just that to they say have. Like, somebody, they, I will say, yeah, I don't right. think that they need to really, have a personalized no, response. Right. I think that they know how busy you are. Send you're on picture. the air almost 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. But just a little photo with a thank you and some whatever Leo stickers or Twit stickers, and they will be plum happy i don't think that anyone expects you to send georgia a you're beautiful message. thank you i'll yeah, print out a picture go. of your iris and include that <laughs> <laughs> thank you here's georgia's I don't iris think they'd be as happy. yeah exactly <laughs> you should make it like a little card like here's a little like i will i'm gonna maybe a magnet what the, the hell is that on there he's looking at me yeah on a magnet yeah yeah. <laughs> All right, Squid Game, got to do it. We got to talk about it. You did a, a therapist reacts to Squid Game. This show is so successful for Netflix. Now, Netflix does not want me to tell you this, so I will not tell you this. I will let Bloomberg tell you this. Bloomberg got confidential viewing data. Netflix, an attorney representing Netflix said in a letter to Bloomberg it would be inappropriate for Bloomberg to disclose the confidential data in the documents. Netflix does not discuss these metrics outside the company and takes significant steps to protect them from disclosure. So I'm not saying this. I'm just reading a Bloomberg article, okay? But according to Bloomberg, 
at least uh, 132 million people have watched at least two minutes of Squid Game. And that was in the first 23 days, which actually made it the most popular Netflix show of all time. And this is the number that Netflix never tells you. Because Netflix doesn't charge per show, right? So they do a complicated analysis that gives them an idea of the what they call impact value. How much it was worth in terms of uh, subscribers sticking around or new subscribers. They estimate $891 million in impact value. And this is for a show that costs $21 million to produce. Or to buy. Right. I think it was already pre-produced. I mean, I think that's what they bought it for. Uh, no, I think they... I th- they that's a, it's a Korean it show. Uh, that's unclear to me. It sounds like that was yeah. production, co- but you're right. It would make more sense. That's what they paid for it. Um, I, all I can say is, like, I, I, we we opened it up on the on the uh, TV, and my and my wife just went, "Nope." <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that, I agree with it. It's that, like, creepy. Like, yeah, is that nope? Nope. Do you nope. If you watch the whole thing, uh, Georgia? It's about some down and out mm-hmm. Korean people. They're all owe a lot of money to the mafia or whatever, who are forced to play this game to try to get money. But the games, they're children's games, but they're deadly. I guess that's enough. We don't need to say more than that. Is it good? It, it is very, I find it fascinating. And I don't even think that it's far out of reach of what humans would actually do. Like you can see people, like you think about over the times, like gladiators, not all gladiators were saved, they, slaves. They were some gladiators that chose to do it. There were some people that earned their freedom and chose to go ah. back. You take a look at what happens with football players and Olympic athletes and what happens to their body or people that are crab fishermen and or even people that do this for nothing. They climb Mount Everest, which is, very dangerous, has a great chance of death, and it's for nothing at all but the accolades. I think the only difference was if it would be on TV, there would be more people going into these games in the hopes of winning money. But if you're down and out and truly hopeless, any chance of hope might make you go off and do something. And unfortunately, human behavior, we often overestimate our own skills and chances at things. And so because of that, you'd be like, but I could win. And so would choose to stick in because in the game, as long as more than half the people decided to quit, they still could. So it was also about free will and choice. And this was not where you were forced to do this. You did have a choice if enough people that were dealing the games could stop. And so I don't know. I think that it is much more realistic than, you know, the dark side of humanity than we give it credit for. So apparently they uh, did not use phony phone numbers in Squid Game. And so now Netflix and the producers, Siren Pictures, are editing out the phone numbers because several Korean citizens have been bombarded with, with messages and calls from fans of the show. They should just make that a paid number so that every time people do yeah. that, they, they should have a little tiny message that yeah, that, that was pretending would, to be from the actor and make a little bit of bank from this. People would go. still call. Yeah. Um, I watched the first episode and I found it interesting. I don't know if I'll watch more. It, it's, well, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, your, your wife, Alex, it, it just never seemed to appeal to me. And so I've never watched a single minute of it. So other than the, whatever the 30 second clip trailer is, as I scroll through Netflix. So, you know, and I think to George's point, 
it is such, but I've read about it, and so I, I, I know what the show's about. It is such a look at kind of the dark side of humanity that for me, with all the other kind of things going on, you know, my viewing, my television viewing is more entertainment, and, and it cuts a little too close to home. I, I prefer something a little more uplifting right now than, than, than Maybe the that's dark it. side of I'm humanity. I'm just not in the mood to watch this during uh, during a pandemic and all the yeah. there you go going on. I'm starting to develop Tourette's is what's happening. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that I think that I, I uh, we talk a lot in our family when we watch media about what we put in our what we call our mind's eye. Yeah, you know, that's like, right. And, and just and that's so right. we're really like if we see something that we're like, whoa, that's really I don't twisted. want there. I don't want that I, in my head. Yes, I work in challenging places around the world where people have gone through a lot. And yeah. but I'd rather it be doing something useful rather than just as entertainment. I just don't need to to work on work on that problem in that area. So I I keep it pretty pretty basic. But we still watch a lot of things. I mean, it just it's just that when something that looks just wholly like wow, that is that is a crazy level of things. I, I just don't need to have. I don't need to be thinking about it. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100. percent I don't want that in my head. You know, because yeah. it'll it'll stay there. It'll come up. It, on inopportune moments. Uh, wow, you've heard about deep fakes. There are deep voice fakes. Last year in the UAE, a bank manager received a call from the director or director at the company uh, with whom he'd spoken before. The director said his company was about to make an acquisition. He needed the bank to authorize transfers, $35 million worth of transfers. The bank manager knew the guy's voice, so he did it. What he didn't know is he had been duped that the fraudsters had used deep voice technology to clone the director's speech. The uh, This is a court document unearthed by Forbes just this week in which the UAE has sought American investigators to help tracing half a million of those stolen funds because they went into U.S.-based bank accounts. That's about all wow. we know, but don't that trust don't trust the voice. Thought, really. Yeah. That's the I that's just, the I, scariest thought because you could be called by someone that you recognize. Like they have all of these calls where they say, "Oh, I'm your nephew. I'm in jail. Please send this much money to bail me out." And usually I'd be like, "But you probably recognize your nephew like depending on how You got to be close a dope, you are with your nephew, though, you probably notice the voice. If you're a bank you manager and just goes, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll transfer no, 35 sure. million, no problem." Just Well, that's even if you're a grandparent, that could work. Yeah. Yeah, that was my thought, though, Leo, right? Exactly. Is how poor were the controls at this bank yeah. that they allowed a transaction of that well, amount to be done based on one person's, you know, you know, one person's word, right. even if you well, recognize the voice. And supposedly, you know, after reading the story, there were some email transactions. But still, you know, I've been part of M&As. I've gone through this process and there's like months of work up to this there's multiple signatures there's lawyers and banks i'm just, it just it baffles me maybe i'm just not in the right circles and international kind of finance here but uh you know it baffles me that this scam was able to work i mean maybe well, they tried it 50 times and this was the one time that it worked yeah, and, and I think that also it, it depends on what what is the scale. How often does does that bank manager do a thirty five million dollar transaction? How often do they what what 
amount of money is that related to? Is it related to half a trillion dollars or to a hundred million dollars? And, and so, you know, in UAE, it could be, that could be like someone's chump change, you know, like, you know, of just like they, they, you know, that they lost it. It's a lot to us, Mm -hmm. but, but I've, you know, I've seen people spend a lot of money on things that, you know, that, (laughs) that I wouldn't spend the money on. I'd be like, wow, that's a lot of money, but, but it's not, um, but for them, it's not, you know? And so I think that, uh, I do think it's crazy. And I, I, I think the deep fakes, I still, I will argue that they're healthy for us because I think it's important for us not to trust right. what we see in here. It's right. it's really important that we, you know, when we see something, we go, okay, I need to see that from a couple different angles. I need to verify and, you know, and, and do all these other things when, when I'm being asked to do something because it's always been that way to some degree. I mean, that's how confidence games work is you believe that somebody is who they aren't. Um, and I think that we're now getting really clear that you really can't, trust a video or audio at its face value. And I think that that's good, you know, because I think that it keeps us from, from believing things at face value because we really shouldn't, you know. The only problem with that though, Alex, is that people are infinitely lazy by nature. And so, yes, there will be some people that will try to use science or take a look at things or research. But for most of us, we like people don't even click an article anymore. Like they see the title and that is what they believe. And if it goes into what is already your cognitive bias, we want to believe the things that are within our cognitive bias. And so we won't even want to question it. We might even deny looking at other things that are not within our comfort level of bu- of bubble. And so that area of scope is, unfortunately, this could be then used to manipulate people even more easily. I think that when, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think that that's definitely, but we've been manipulated for a long time. Oftentimes mm-hmm. I'm the one with the shovel, yeah. you know? And so the, so the thing is, is that, is that when we, you know, we, we do a lot of things to manipulate people, like, you know, the height of the mm-hmm. camera and a crowd, um, the kind of questions that we ask, the words that we use, you know, like all of those things drive that, you know, like, so we're, you know, the, uh, you know, how, where people are allowed to put cameras, where, uh, you know, how, when, what was that person's position when we asked that question or how we put it together. And so the thing is, is that those are all things that we use to manipulate people in, in how, in, in what we hand them, you know, and we try to have, you know, open conversations. I think that, 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 that this I think is it, why you have to teach pay. media literacy because yeah. if people yeah, don't so know how easily yeah. done that is and they believe yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, stuff they see, uh, yeah. especially on TV. I mean, you know, you you ask a bunch mm-hmm. of things, and then and then when you watch when you watch something on on TV, that every time you know people don't know that when I cut when I'm shooting straight ahead, and you're saying something, and then I cut to a side shot, and I cut back, that means I cut something out. Like that's what I use that shot for. Right. Like when I when right. I'm cutting something out of that interview. Right. Um. So you're but but it's so smooth that a person doesn't realize it, and that's that is just as manipulative as a deep fake, you know, because I'm cutting something out that they set up. I don't think it's just as manipulative as a deep fake. I think deep fakes are probably more manipulative. Well, but you can put words in people's mouth. I mean, it's easy. It's easy. You you don't have to do a deep fake. You just edit it carefully and you could put words in people's mouth. But now people can then use this to manipulate in a way that is scary to the person that they might be faking and put that out there also. It doesn't even mean that you now have to commit a crime or do something wrong or worry about what's on your browser, that now they can make it as believable that even you might what? question, maybe I really did go there. Right. Well, like it's, but right. I might have really done that. I don't oh, know. I forgot. Yeah. I don't remember the, doing yeah, exactly. that. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but when, yeah. when, but when we stop losing, when we start, lo- you know, for a long time, for instance, DNA was like one of those things, like once we find DNA, you're done. Like, right. you, you know, when mm-hmm. we have DNA and then there was right. this thing called chain of custody. 
And yeah. chain of custody has basically in many places destroyed the DNA evidence because now as a, as a, uh, like, like, by the way, I probably shouldn't say it on here, but like, if you're in, if you're in a jury pool and you say, I'm going to be really interested in chain of custody, you know how quick the prosecutor will get rid of you? <laughs> like, like that. Like, like they don't, don't want to have any conversation about that. They don't want any juror to think about chain of custody because, because it unravels the entire trust, the, it, the entire chain of tr- trust because it's almost impossible to maintain chain of custody, you know, like, like, like at a level, at the same level as the DNA itself. Right. And so, but it's what, but what's important is, is that that, that was too tight, like the DNA by itself, because it could be planted, it could be inserted, it could be, there's lots of other places and us just blindly so trusting. It's not well, that they have easy DNA to gather someone's okay. DNA. I'm just going to say, eh, you and, still and, have to gather the DNA if it's actually there. Like, I guess you can say that it it's clean. there and it's not. And yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's right. But, but the that point is, is that I'm not saying it's not in the OJ trial, actually. So it was, yeah, but the thing is, is that, yeah, and, 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 but it's, it's one of those things that, that it was, it was too blind. It's you're right that it's hard, but it was too blindly followed for a long time where it was just, and there's a lot of people we often in jail do that, that shouldn't with, be there because they because we put so much yeah. trust in, you know, scientific results when right. in yeah, fact, well, especially when we're, when it comes to results and things that we see in the media, you were talking about media training. And I used to teach this in my class for folks who don't know, I have a couple of criminal justice degrees and I used to be an adjunct oh, professor cool. for a decade or so. And so, you know, we would talk about media bias when it comes to exactly what you were talking about and the CSI effect, we used to call it because, you know, people would see this technology as infallible and they would see things right. on television that they thought were right. the way the real criminal justice system worked. And it wasn't. And so they would, be a prosecutor's kind of worst nightmare and expect like this has to be perfect or they could be a defendant's you know a defense attorney's uh, nightmare too expecting them to sort of have this exculpatory evidence um, that that just wasn't how our justice system has really ever worked Um, and I think that's kind of that's the quandary that we find ourselves in with technology whether it's internet you know I know we had some things happen this week around 2.30 and and what in deep fakes so it is what do you trust right and how do we teach uh how do we how do we help a large enough section of our society be skeptical enough that they ask those tough questions but also not be so skeptical that they don't believe anybody because as humans right you know we trust relationships more than we trust facts right and so i think that's the balance that we're still trying to figure out with all whether it's social media or whether it's deep fakes or whether it's a you know fake voice call how do we manage that skepticism in a healthy way and that that's a hard question to answer and it you know to your point George, it's not an, it's it's not a um it's not a new question either i want to take a quick break we got a few more stories we'll wrap it up great panel Bill Detweiler is here from Tech Republic. Good to have you. I had no idea you're... So you know all about chain of custody and all that stuff. (laughs) I love the CSI effect. Oh, clearly this person has watched too many procedurals. Kick him off the jury, Your Honor. (laughs) Uh, We got Alex Lindsay, whose dad is a prosecuting attorney. Used to be. Used to be a long time ago. So he knows a little bit about uh, assistant U.S. U.S. attorney. So he knows a lot about these kinds of matters. And Georgia Dow whose videos include Get the Sleep You've Always Dreamed Of, Boundaries and Consequences, Understanding What Anxiety Is, Parenting, (laughs) How Your Thoughts Are Running the Show, damn it, and Calm, 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 Finally, all at anxiety-videos.com. I've got more. i got the whole set. 
Thank you for being here, all three of you. Our show today brought to you by Nareva. When it's as you get back to the office and you want to have meetings and people are in different places and stuff, as Alex said, audio is can kill a conference call. Bad audio is the worst. It exhausts everybody. It makes it hard to to be in the meeting. Nareva solves this problem. Now you, you know, if you're faced with this, especially if you want to get uh, good audio in a in a in a fairly large room, a mid-sized to large room. I'm talking 25 by 25 to 30 by 50. You probably immediately think, well, we're going to get that Pro AV solution. But but I just want to tell you, there are better ways to do this than that complex, expensive Pro AV solution. You set up Pro AV in a mid-sized to large meeting room. You've got multiple components. You've got mics. You've got speakers. They're installed in the ceiling. The mics are spread across the table. And what else do you have? Well, lots of cables. You'll need specialized technicians to tell you what needs to be bought, to install it, to calibrate it. It'll take days to install and tens of thousands of dollars per room for purchase and installation. And I still go to big businesses and see these very, very expensive AV setups when all they need is Nareva. Nareva, N-U-R-E-V-A, provides exceptional audio for rooms. Well, one integrated Nareva microphone and speaker bar will handle 25 to 25 feet. Two bars will cover a space of up to 30 by 50 feet. You can do it yourself. It's as easy to install as a, as a sound bar. It takes about 30 minutes, two screws, one cable, fraction of the cost of AV systems. And it actually works better because of Nareva's patented microphone mist technology, which puts thousands of virtual microphones throughout the room. So you can move around, you can face away from the screen. Everyone is heard no matter where they are. And now with, you know, you got to have social distancing or, you know, you, you don't have to put dots on the table where people need to sit for a beam forming system. You, you don't have to calibrate or recalibrate. In fact, it, it continuously auto calibrates. It's essentially computational audio. And it's a really clever solution to all this. So easy to do. You can do it yourself. They have a great console, the Nareva console, a platform that lets you monitor, manage, adjust, and scale your fleet of systems from anywhere. Great for multiple rooms and a fraction of the cost of the Pro AV system. Sound great, works great, easy to install, easy to use, no training required. I just want to encourage you not to go with that Pro AV Model. Go to go to nareva.com slash twit and learn more. N-U-R-E-V-A, nareva.com slash twit. I am a sound snob, and this is a great solution. doesn't require people to stay in the same place or face the same way. It just works. Nareva, N-U-R-E-V-A dot com slash twit. We thank them so much for their support of This Week in Tech. And uh, thank you for supporting us by using that address so they know that you saw it here. Nareva.com. Slash twit. So the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, reporters looking at the um, uh, uh, government website for social, uh, social uh, for uh, school teachers and notices, <laughs> this is the state's Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, notices that if he views source, you all know how to do that, right? Views source on the site. <laughs> the social security numbers of department employees, teachers, administrators, and councils, counselors are completely in the clear, viewable in text. No problem at all. Hundreds of thousands of social security numbers revealed. So the St. Louis Post-Dispatch does the right thing. They reported having found a bug in the app 
they waited until it was fixed to publish the report. Didn't matter because Governor Mike Parson of uh, Missouri wants to prosecute the journalist who found the bug. He says he's a hacker and is vowed criminal prosecution for viewing source. If you ask me, the guy did the state a favor and he reported it responsibly. Is, uh, ignorance can really lead to problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's funny or just sad. Sad. This, this story because, I mean, clearly you have someone in a position of immense power that just doesn't understand basic modern technology and, you know, has the state's criminal justice system, which we were just talking about, behind them. And, you know, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. But how many resources, if you get a call from the governor and you're in the state police, you, 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 you know, you, you say, yes, yes, governor, we'll look at that. But clearly this is just sad. Yeah, and, and the problem is, is that it's, it, even if it's, if it, even if he's exonerated, the cost of the legal case is going to be a thing. Like even if the governor loses, it's going to cost him somewhere between ten and a hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's the fine for the governor putting his thumb down if it actually goes anywhere because you're going to have to, you know, go out and get a lawyer and pay them a, a you know, a retainer and then there's hours and those are going to be two or three hundred dollars an hour. And, and the mistake you'll make is that you'll say, I'm not going to hire a very good lawyer and because because I, I I'm obviously going to win, and then you lose, and now things get real ugly, you know. And so so the the issue is is that you know them just making these like it seems like oh yeah he'll get off, but yeah he's going to get off after spending tens of thousands of dollars in, on a journalist's salary to defend himself against something that's stupid. Not to mention the chilling effect because the next reporter who comes yeah. along and finds a massive flaw in a state database is sure as hell not going to tell anybody. Now, hopefully is, hopefully is exactly is organizational. why they do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they want. They yeah. want to be able to intimidate yeah. There's no flaws. people from embarrassing There's them, no right? flaws. That was embarrassing. Stop it. Yes. Yes. Or Stop we'll punish you. Or we'll punish you. That's a very right? good point. The legal yeah. system is often a weapon. Yeah. Uh, this could be, I don't know if it'll be precedent setting because it was a, a court ruling in the UK, but it's an interesting court ruling. John Woodward, uh, who lives in uh, Tem, Oxfordshire, was concerned about uh, masked men attempting to steal vehicles in his neighborhood, installed a ring video doorbell and some ring doorbells, ar- cameras around his house. Uh, he lives across the street from one Dr. Fairhurst. Here's a picture of this is we'll use this in court. Here's Woodward's house. Here's Fairhurst's house. Uh, Dr. Fairhurst said, Mary Fairhurst said it's harassment. She was forced to move out of her house because of the intrusive Internet connected gadgets. He fitted four devices around his property to protect his vehicles. The judge was particularly uh, upset because of the microphones on these devices, which would apparently clearly hear whatever was going on on her property. They've lived as neighbors for two decades. She complained about the camera and uh, he got aggressive. So that's why she uh, went to court. The judge found that he had breached the provisions of the Data Protection Act of 2018 and the GDPR. And Dr. Mary Fairhurst is now entitled to compensation plus preventing Mr. Woodward from continuing to breach her rights with his security devices. Fair claim. I mean, when I, you know, I love my video doorbell. I have cameras all around the place. Of course, I've, they don't pick up audio from our neighbors and they can't really see into the neighbor's yard. But if you live very close to somebody, very likely cameras do. 
It's. I think it's also really complicated because the police are actually encouraging people to <laughs> install That's, rings. Ring does deals you know, with local their, police. Their, That's right. Yeah. So they're like they're they're they're, they're really trying to push that down the path of like, hey, uh, you know, uh, this is something we we think you should put in, and because it does make their job easier <laughs> when you have, when you have video. Well, it's a little. Re- I like knowing uh, if somebody's at my door who it is. I like knowing if a package was delivered and I can keep an eye on it. I like these things. Uh, but it it's, is true you know, that it doesn't just shoot my property. It shoots the street, and I can even see the, across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough ethical issue. You know, we I used, again, it's one of those issues that I would talk to my class about when I would teach crime prevention. Um, years ago, before these cameras were so cheap and inexpensive, you know, there were CCTV cameras that the government would use. You know, I think there's like 5 million, especially in the UK. So it was kind of surprising uh, for me to see the ruling coming out of the UK because they have a much longer history with these being everywhere than we do in the States. That's a good point, Um, yeah. But, you know, those those cameras in the UK all run by the state. All run by police, and so that you know, the, those maybe are this ours. was her last, her last vestige of privacy was taken away because there's yeah. no probably nowhere else in town where she could go where she's not at her camera. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and that's the thing, you know. You were saying, Leo, I live in an area where we're. Um, if I put a camera, I don't have one on my front door just for this reason because it would be picking up. Um, my neighbors across the streets, doors and multiple doors and their front windows and whether they had them open or not. And I have a fairly busy street, not, not terribly busy, but it will probably go off and detect the motion of the cars um, every few minutes, every 10 minutes, something like that. So, you know, I, I think this could be a little bit, if it stands, um, and if the fine stands, this could be um, the beginning of maybe an inflection point in these the use of these cameras. I mean, maybe they'll have to be technological safeguards. I yeah. mean, maybe they'll have yeah. to be, um, you know, blurring effects, something in there. Or maybe only property owners will have to position them in a down position so that they're, they're mm-hmm. only looking at the, the doorway and not straight out. I don't know, but it, it's definitely bad publicity for Ring. I mean, I have to say, like this is when you go after people's pocketbooks. That's when you can really start to change behavior. And, and I could see people saying, you know, I'm just not going to take the risk of putting this thing up there and getting sued. I mean, hundred hundred thousand, um, you know, well, pounds. And again, what got him? What got him sued was him getting aggressive when she asked him to move it. Like he didn't get randomly. Like she didn't just file a lawsuit. Like that's he, a good He point. put up the camera. There was a solution he, prior. She said, to "Hey, going to can court. you stop that?" And he yeah. wouldn't do it. And yeah. he got aggressive with her. And that's that's usually you know they, uh, there's a, uh, a saying in Africa. I was I was hanging out with these guys in Zimbabwe and and we were talking about something and and they were talking about. A, the political issue in Zimbabwe. And, and I said, why don't you just overthrow Mugabe? And, and he said, he said, we've been farmers for a thousand years, you know, like, you know, we're, we're Shona, we've been farmers for a thousand years. And when you're a farmer for a thousand, when your family's been farming for a thousand years, you know that if you get into a fight with your neighbor, they're still your neighbor tomorrow. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then I think about that all the time. That's a I really have good, of, that's a really <laughs> good motto. So it was so, and, and so I think about that saying every time someone, one of my neighbors does something that I'm like, wow, I can't believe they just did that. You know, and I have some great neighbors. I have some not, not as great neighbors. Um, and, uh, and all of them, but when, whenever they do something that kind of pops my eyes and where I come from, you know, I would react badly. I just go, 
they're still going to be my neighbor tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so let's figure this out. So uh, I'm told out of sync in our chat room says ring can. This was not a feature when I had my ring, but I guess they've added this feature probably for this reason. You can say, I don't want to see video from that. You can block out areas and just not have video yeah. from there. But those microphones, I don't think there's any way to do that. And so those microphones are going to work. Uh, and you will be able. You can to. turn it on and off, though. You can decide you're you going to pick it. up audio yes. or video. You can disable audio. We actually uh, does that disable it onto the cloud where Ring has access to it, or does it just disable it for you, though? I think it. I think it actually disables the the cameras. I think it actually turns the mic off. Yeah, I, 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 I have the Nest right. ones. I don't have the I, I in Nest. Right. I believe it turns yeah. it off the cameras yeah. mic. Yeah, we actually had that issue. I put in. <laughs> Some years ago, remember this, John? I put uh, Nest cameras. We had, or they were the drop cams, what they were called, everywhere, and they had yeah. microphones. And uh, when the staff found out that, <laughs> that we could listen in all over the office, yeah, we we said, "Up, oh, the mics are now turned off." Right? Oh, well, they were always turned off. Okay, but we made sure that they understood we are not. But you could, you could eavesdrop on conversations and things. So, John says he could turn them on if he had to. <laughs> But you can't retroactively turn them on. So you can't say, now I wonder what they talking about last night. Uh, one last story before we wrap this up. This is interesting. We'll talk about this on Mac Break Weekly, Alex. I'm sure Apple, of course, got a lot of attention and a lot of applause in iOS 14 for turning on, I think it was 14.5 when they turned on the feature where you could say, I don't want this app to track me. However, there has been a benefit to Apple as well as a benefit to consumer privacy. Apple's in-house business, their search ads are now huge growth. Fifty, They're responsible for 58% uh, of all app downloads resulting from clicking on an advertisement. So Apple puts ads for apps, sells ads for apps in the App Store. That number a year ago was 17%. Big growth there. Uh, it, it's, it could mean, according to the Financial Times, $5 billion in its advertising business this year, $20 billion a year within three years, all because Apple's privacy push has significantly altered the landscape. So you well, can do I, a thing I, that's good for your users, and, hey, we all win. Well, but as a, as a user, I really want them to <laughs> turn all that stuff off. I you agree, know, I but I think what's so, important is Apple should probably not be benefiting itself, too. Well, I don't think that they're. Tra I, I don't know what they're tracking. I mean, uh, their ad, their ad solution. No, no, is so they don't bad. have to be tracking. But if they, right. but if they make all the other tracking stuff not work, uh, that helps them even if they're not tracking, right? Because they it does, have first party tracking, information. But not tracking is the right thing to do, no matter what. I agree. Like it's like you know, like so turning off the tracking is the right thing to do. I'd like them to go a step uh, further and not, not benefit run ads? from it. <laughs> yes, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I think should they, they be in the ads. ad business if they are yeah. shutting out everybody else's ad business? They're not shutting out other people's ad business. They're just shutting out their ability to track. <laughs> you know, so, so this is always so my issue. I think Google and Apple both and Facebook benefit from because they have first party data. They have direct data. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for them to say, and hey, we're going to turn off all that third party tracking. Yeah. But it is so gross. Like the, the, the third party tracking is just gross. Mm -hmm. Like it is mm -hmm. like it is it is it, it it should not exist. Like it is it is so bad. It's creepy. Like what, bad. What, it's super creepy. Like creepy, creepy, you know, and yeah. and the fact. But I that think most people, Alex, don't even understand what third third party tracking really is and what it's doing. And I think that that's why they're not. Many people are not offended as offended as they should yeah. be. But when they see the list of things that are being tracked, then they're suddenly like, "Oh, holy hell! What the hell is this?" It's the, but it's it's the triangulation. No 
It's the triangulation of the data that is just abhorrent. Like it's, it is, it is what you're buying at Safeway and, and where you're buying gas and then how you're going and, and all your GPS data. And then you map, map Honestly, that all into it. And I don't, it's so I, gross. I, I guess I'm just missing the boat because I am technologically literate enough to know about it, but it doesn't bother me. It's just, they're going to yeah. show me ads for things that I bought at Safeway. Yeah, but well, it's what it think, could be used for. Like if someone was outside your bathroom watching you. And but that's not what's notes. happening. I understand that, but that's not it what's happening. It kind of is, because what you buy in the pharmacy to use in the bathroom is being tracked, where you are is being tracked, what you're doing with that. And so if you're buying a certain set of whatever type of sanitary or Cuc- health cucumber products, butt wipes. they're paying attention to this. Yeah. But they're paying attention. Like, it is that creepy, actually. I think that people don't get the right. amount of information and- they can take from this triangulated data. Right. And the thing well, is, I think is the that, key is point is to let them can... make that decision. Right. I mean, th- th- that's what you want mm-hmm. is that, yes, you know, we've been tracking people yeah. ever since there was, uh, you know, um, there were credit cards, credit card companies and other companies, data brokers could track your purchases throughout your, your, your when you use your credit card. Um, the same could be true for magazine subscriptions or companies that would work with law enforcement that they would come to to know if you ever had a magazine subscription that they could track back there. So, you know, it's not a new practice, but I think the important thing to, to, your, to everyone's point is that just people know about it. And maybe if they know about it, then they can decide whether like you, Leo, they don't really care or they really do like yeah, you, Alex and George fair. and myself, that they do care that's about fair. it. Because, yes. you know, I was helping my mom buy a new phone yesterday and um, she had an app and I had to remove the app on her old phone because it was eating up. I don't know what it was doing. It was a word game, but it was eating up like three gigs of space. And I'm like, why are you using this? And then when she, she said, I don't know, you can get rid of it. So I got rid of it. And then when I loaded it back, of course, you got the message yes. to say, this app is tracking you across all these other apps. And I'm like, this is a word game. Do you really want this? She's like, no, I don't. Want, I just say yes to that every time the message oh, pops up. Right. And I'm like, really? Okay, mom, come on. I, clearly, right. I haven't done my job as a proper geek to teach you better. So, you know, we, uh, I was able to convince her that maybe she didn't need the app. But yeah. That's that's probably the right reaction. <laughs> Folks, we are out of time. I would love to keep going with this great panel, but we'll just have to reconvene another time. Alex, Lindsay, we will see you uh, on Tuesday to talk about Apple's announcements tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun on Mac Break Weekly. And if people want to make a great cup of chai... <laughs> they can go to officehours.global. You can see the the there. You can find out what we do with Office Hours. It's a crazy group of of uh folks that i mean it's just an incredible collection of people it doesn't that, um, from only all over the focus world. on uh, making fine beverages however no, it's no uh, no it, that's mostly only, about production so it's 24 hours a day of something and there was one hour that we made chai so the um but it it you know it's really a lot of i i, I would say that the <laughs> only thing that that makes us all the same is that we're curious it's so a lot of curious people if i got the the zoom link which you can get by going to officehours.global could I just turn it on and leave it on all the time at my house? That's what people do. Yeah, yeah, they, they leave it on. I and they, and, they, and then they, it's like radio. For, for, for me, it's like radio. I just yeah. walk around, I'm listening to it. Yeah. And, then, and then when I hear something that I'm interested in, or if I have a question, I literally just get up. If I have a media question or a production, I don't understand the switcher. But I have to admit, I say that, but I was trying to figure out what generator, like, a, I, you know, we're in California, so we lose power all the time. And, and so, uh, so I was going to figure out what generator to get from my house. And I went up there. And, um, uh, and I was like, Hey, I'm looking for a, I, I'm looking for a generator. 
person in emergency services in Illinois just gave me, okay, here's wow. the here's a generator you need. Wow. You're going to want dual fuel. Here's how to wow. break this thing down. Here's how to, you know, like, you know, I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. Cool. Wait, that was, that was way better than Google. It's like you know, like, you know, permanent and, and brain so. trust. Always on brain yeah, yeah. trust. Yeah, it's always on. Officehours.globe. I'll see you. See you Tuesday. And I'm going to yeah. make this chai when I get home. So good. Bill Detweiler, he's, uh, he is the editor-in-chief of uh, Tech Republic. And you can see he's got a depth of knowledge that is enviable. It's great to have <laughs> you on. And he, t- you, you mentioned a couple of shows that you do. Give us a plug. Yeah, so, of course, you can always find me at, and all the great um, editorial team at Tech Republic at techrepublic.com, um, on Twitter at Bill Detweiler. And, you know, I host Dynamic Developer, our podcast for everybody involved with software development, engineers, developers, product managers at Tech Republic as well or on your favorite uh, podcast uh, platform. I'm going to have to listen to that. I, uh, I'm a hobbyist, but it's, I find it a fascinating <laughs> subject. So It's a lot of fun. Yeah. We uh, do everything from what coders should know about quantum computing to Perfect. how to have great UX, UI, to you know, what you need to know about CICD programs. Um, so it, it's a little bit of everything for anyone who's involved in software and application development these days, which is honestly uh, uh, most folks, even if they don't know it. Nice. Very good. Thank you, Bill. And, of course, the wonderful Georgia Dow. You can email her, Georgia, at westmounttherapy.com and say, Help me, Georgia. Help me. You're my only hope. You can also see her wonderful videos, youtube.com slash Georgia Dow. Anything you want to you plug in addition? I, I just got the new Peace Banker trailer, and I reacted to it. So if you're excited to see it, you can check it out. Oh, wow. Nice. Although, honestly, I can't wait to see the Suicide Shark, uh, Pete. And there's the weasel. You, you should a therapist you should totally, reacts you should to take the weasel. A look and you have to. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the weasel. What? <laughs> there's the weasel. <laughs> there's the weasel. There's the weasel. Uh, honestly, there go. thank God we've got. Thank God Georgia Dow exists in this world. That's all I can say. And you better darn well send education. me your iris. I need it right now. It's my wallpaper. You're welcome. You're welcome. My wife's gonna say, "Do you have another woman's iris on your wallpaper?" <laughs> Say yes, I do. It's George and Dell. She's just gonna say that's so. That's so strange. That's so that's strange. That's so weird. A strange looking. That's so weird. Virus. That's yes. what she's gonna say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for being here. We do Twit uh, Sunday afternoon around two thirty Pacific, five thirty Eastern, twenty one thirty UTC. If you want to watch us do it live, there's a live stream, audio or video at Twit.tv/live. People who are watching live often like to chat live. There's two places you can do that. There's an IRC channel open to all IRC. .twit.tv. We also have Club Twit, and it's so much fun in the clubhouse. You can join us. This is a subscription we just started uh, fairly recently, $7 a month. Gets you ad-free versions of all the shows, which is nice. It cuts a couple of hours out of every show, so it's a really big savings in time. You also get access to our Discord, where there's chats not only for every show, but many other geek subjects, including, yes, comic books. And I think uh, Stacey Higginbotham's book group is coming up pretty soon. Lisa and I are going to do a uh, uh, Ask Me Anything Inside Twit show. Steve Gibson's Ask Me Anything was last week. So there's lots of extra stuff. That all goes into the Twit Plus feed after the fact. So you can join in live, but also listen on a special feed at Twit Plus. $7 a month. For more information, uh, you can find out about Club Twit at twit.tv slash Club Twit. 
I should make a program note. A number of people said, I don't want to buy the whole network. I just want to buy one show. We are, through Apple's podcast subscriptions, also offering individual um, subscriptions for ad-free versions of a particular show. It's two ninety nine a month, so it saves you a little bit of money. So that's another way you can help. And it really does support the network and keeps us doing what we're doing. So thank you in advance for that. We make a free versions of the show with the ads, ad-supported versions of the show available on our website, twit.tv. All the shows are up there. Uh, you can also find a YouTube channel for all of our shows. If you like to watch the video on YouTube, we're there. Uh, you can also subscribe. I think that's probably the best way to get any show. Subscribe in your favorite podcast player and you will get a, uh, get a copy of the show as soon as the editing is done and it's finished up. We'll push it out to you and you'll have it available on your device for the time you're interested in listening. If you don't listen synchronously, if you're not watching live, we do have asynchronous ways to participate. As I mentioned, Club Twit, but there's also a free forum open to all. That's uh, twit.community. That's a Discord, a discourse forum. There's also a, a social Mastodon uh, social fediverse instance at twit.social. So if you like Twitter, but you don't like the, uh, the noise, you'll like the peace, <laughs> the calm at twit.social social some great people in there as well thank you all for being here uh i really appreciate it we'll see you next week another twit bye-bye yes,